Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Shocking attack on a woman in Fromoy, uh, and that makes the front page of many of the papers. Uh, the Red Tops carry it as well, and their inside page is the Echo's headline, Gardie Hunt Attacker. This is absolutely awful. It's understood that uh, two people came to the woman's aid, and the attacker fled the scene, according to the Echo. She was taken to hospital, um, but uh, thankfully doesn't have life-threatening injuries, but really is very, very uh, traumatized following an assault and attempted robbery uh, on Sunday evening out walking her dog. Actually, the uh, son this morning's uh, go further and call it a vile sex assault on a dog walker. And the guards have launched this major investigation looking for witnesses 645 near the Loretta Secondary School and St. Coleman's College on the south side of Fomoy. The woman was attacked, knocked to the ground where she was sexually assaulted and robbed. Her assailant uh, stole personal items before running away Apparently he was disturbed by two people who were out walking at the time. Big investigation now by Garda Shikana in the area into the uh, sexual assault and attack on this woman in her 50s. It's a, a front page of Making the Echo and the Red Tops have it as well. Um, meanwhile, of course, the story that keeps on giving is is COVID. Um, and uh, interestingly, though, it's an interesting development in the UK because those um, uh, who won't get the jab and say... Uh, work on the front line um, with regards to healthcare um, won't be able to work there because uh, that's the new rule. The government policy there requires all care home staff to have had two doses of vaccine uh, to come into force on Thursday. And if they don't, they're figuring uh, you ain't going to work. And one in 10 care workers apparently in the UK now will lose their jobs over compulsory uh, jabs. Um, And of course, we are also trying to you know, um, make sure that people are following the guidelines. Or, to be honest with you, it, it's a law, really, uh, and there should be consequences um, if pubs aren't uh, checking COVID certs and checking passes and checking QR codes. And and in fairness, the um, hospitality sector have come out hitting. They're saying that any of the venues who aren't compliant should be found out, named and shut down. It could be as high as 37%, maybe 40% of, of venues that aren't fully compliant. Some are just hit and miss about it. Uh, others aren't checking at all, apparently. So pubs and restaurants make the papers this morning. Those that are not enforcing the guidelines, or I call them guidelines, they're actually rules and laws, uh, unfortunately, that's just the way we live at the moment. And they should be shut down, according to the uh, industry leaders themselves. And the guards, one of them is saying, like, well, well, why was it that the guards were ex- inspecting nine euro meals last year, but they're not doing anything this year when we need it? Of course, they talk of antigen testings in, her, in our schools, and that's a story that makes the, the mail this morning. I don't like to dwell too much on the COVID stories because it is what it is. You know, pandemic has impact, impacted on people's lives in various forms. And the mail this morning saying that over half of the women that were uh, surveyed for uh, a trial at Trinity College, over half of them said that their periods and sex lives were disrupted during the coronavirus pandemic. That and then some, says you. But many feel burnt out and over half of full time workers in Ireland feel burnt out, according to yet another survey. And that one makes the uh, the examiner this morning. You heard in the sports news there uh, that there ain't going to be any um in, in the in the greater Dublin soccer and metropolitan area, uh, there's going to be a lot less by way of matches over the weekend, particularly the girls' league, because refs have withdrawn their services because of the constant abuse and threatening behaviour from managers, players, coaches and supporters. But Cork refs are not taking similar action, in spite of the fact that I touched on, dealt with this story a couple of weeks back with regards to the abuse and threatening behaviour that refs have to put up with as they ref matches, particularly soccer matches, 
uh, on Leaside. So 550 underage games are cancelled this weekend. It's a terrible indictment of the society that we live in these days. What is it with parents like that they just can't go along and enjoy the game as opposed to thinking that their kid's the next Ronaldo um, and the kids are paying the penalty for this, of course, because they can't play sport. It was an awful story that made the Indo online yesterday where a female young referee, a female referee who was refereeing her first game and she was to have three games that day. And it was her first day refing. She was abused so badly from the time she entered the pitch in the first match that she decided that she's not taking any more of the abuse from these people and she's decided to give up refereeing entirely so I'd love to have uh, the chats with you on that one text 0868104106 particularly if you attend matches and you're well behaved of course you are uh, but the kind of carry on that you've witnessed there text 0868104106 story from uh, a topic that we dealt with last week of course has to do with the vacant houses that are on the city council and county council books and one of the more alarming calls yes, last week was uh, 15 to 17 houses they stay they say in it maddens buildings that are just empty and one of them's been empty for two and a half years the examiner this morning says cork city council has 101 vacant properties um ready to be occupied but unfortunately and bizarrely and unacceptably to be honest of the 101 vacant properties over half of them have been empty and awaiting tenancy for over 14 months over half of them which is North of 50 of the 101 are ready, they're pristine, they've probably even been done up, and they're just sitting there. The county council uh, say that they have 92 vacant properties, and nearly half of them are either ready to let or under offer. Get on with it. I think that's the message that people would give. Get them let. Get them sorted. Great news. Talking about sorting things, I'm absolutely delighted that Lisa Murphy and her GoFundMe campaign has reached the target of €60,000. Didn't take long, lads. Only took a few days. Well done to everybody on Side, And she now can proceed with the private treatment she needs for her horrific eating disorders. And she says in the Echo today, she's been given a sense of hope for the first time in a long time, you may have heard my conversation with Lisa, very honest and open conversation last week. And two other food-related stories, but this is a positive one. i got to check out Goldie on Oliver Plunkett Street because I know absolutely nothing about it. But there it is, apparently, on Oliver Plunkett Street. They say that they do posh fish and chips, by all accounts, and probably lots more besides. Uh, apparently, they do gorgeous cocktails and have an ever-changing menu. So we need to check it out, lads. I'd say there's going to be a run on the seats and maybe the takeout as well in Goldie because it's been named the best in Munster for casual dining at the Restaurant of the Year Awards in Dublin. So take a bow at Goldie. You're doing all the right things there. And Barack Obama doesn't know where he is. He was in Scotland at COP26, and he goes and calls Scotland the Emerald Isle. Would you ever cop yourself on? And apparently, how many people uh, want to go on their Christmas party? Uh, don't you love surveys? They're just falling out of the woodwork these days. They're falling out of the trees. Four and five people surveyed want a Christmas party this year because they had none last year and they just want to have a bit of fun and a bit, a bit of a boogie. And of course, everything was cancelled last year because of COVID-19. And we're wondering the way things are going at the moment. Will a lot be cancelled this year again? But at the moment, Christmas parties are on the cards and you can book them. Whether you'll be unbooking them or not, I haven't a clue. And Dog TV, <laughs> talking about this last week, the dogs have their own television channel. It launched yesterday. Um, and it, it could be a runner. I mean, whatever you're doing yourself, uh, Dog TV, it's, I don't know, well, you probably have to pay a premium to watch it. It's not on the terrestrial normal platform, but there it is nonetheless. But the one thing I learned reading about Dog TV this morning, how many people knew... 
that dogs um, are colorblind. They can't see colors. They see everything in black and white. According to the article that I'm reading from the Mirror this morning, they said, you'd think that dog TV would be black and white and not in colour, as dogs can't see colour. I never knew that, that the world to dogs is just grey. I mean, how uninteresting is that? I know they've got, they've got a sense of smell, apparently, that's 70 times more acute than ours. But the article in front of me says that they see the world in black and white, grey, actually. In some regards, it's good to see the world in, in black and white, this ever-changing world we live in. But there you have it nonetheless. I'm quite sure that somebody out there disagrees with me. Um, I'm not saying black and white, but shades of grey and shadows and things. Anyway, text 0868104106. We'll be returning to dog-related matters at some time this morning because uh, apparently there's talks of um, even more dogs now being given back. The people are fed up with them. But, you know, if you are a, if you are a, a premiership football star earning enormous amounts of money. It comes with a lot of perks. And one of the perks, according to The Sun today, particularly for Man United stars, they're so pampered that Man United soccer players have a team of technicians on hand to do all of the kind of fiddly dan, annoying little jobs that you have to do and get around in the house yourself, right? Uh, But they have a team of technicians to tune their televisions, to fix their computers when they crash, to hang pictures on the walls. They're called player care property technicians. And they're advertising the jobs at the moment, apparently, at Manchester United. One fan said, it's not a good look advertising for staff to pamper these overpaid footballers when the results are so dire. Maybe change a plug, you know, things like that. Maybe do their weekly shopping, wash the car, stuff like that. Um, Tuck them up in bed at night, the technician maybe. Bring them a hot water bottle perhaps or a cup of warm milk. Um, But going to bed is another survey. If you want to stave off heart disease, you need to get to bed apparently by 10.59 every night. Any time between 10 and 11 is good. After 11, even 11.01 is bad for your ticker. Bear that in mind. And if you were a fan... And I know nothing about it, forgive me, Desperate Housewives, but I know that it was phenomenally popular right up until it was axed. It could come back because Eva Longoria makes the mail, this, sorry, the Independent this morning, saying that if it were to come back, she would be first in line to sign up for the revival of Desperate Housewives. She said it was an absolute gift and the best of times in her life. Is that an indicator of things to come? The Neil Prenderville Show. I corrected it. It's not colorblind. Yeah, colorblind isn't black and white. You're right. Uh, people who are colorblind do have issues seeing you know, all of the colors, but they can see some dogs see in black and white apparently he learned something new every okay okay I, I've just dug an even deeper hole please explain to me not knowing a whole lot about pooches and, pa- and pets no it's so funny if anyone actually looked at my google searches this morning is our dog's colourblind um, so <laughs> the they, they can see blue yellow and Ooh, some dogs. shades of grey dogs yeah no, no, Dog TV said they look... They, well, they Dog TV are wrong. Dogs possess only two types of cones and they can only discern blue and yellow. This limited colour perception... How do they know? Do they ask the dog if they can see a blue and a yellow? I mean, <laughs> how do they know? I'd say it's like, you know, like they're in... You know, if you're in counselling and you're, you, you, you show up, you like the random pictures, what do you see? So here? dogs go to counselling? I'd, I'd say so. <laughs> well, there are uh, dog different. psychologists. There are, there are so exactly. Many. How do they communicate with the dog? 
I don't know, maybe paw language or something. I don't know. So they, so they can see blue and yellow and some shades of grey. Yeah. So that's, that's plenty to be getting on with, So they'd it? see a rainbow as a dark yellow kind of brown. How do you know that? Light yellow, Who grey. asked the dog about a rainbow? Light blue. <laughs> and dogs don't see red, purple or orange. So oh, that's I rough. Family, I have a... Uh, <laughs> Switch his I have mic a family off, member who's colorblind, so he'll notice. Um, blue is his favorite color, interestingly enough. But like he can, he's problems with reds and greens as well. Um, what does he mean by problems? He can't like he can't tell the difference, is it? Yeah, he gets between confused a red with reds and, a green. and greens and things like that. That's unfortunate because they are very different colors. Yeah, yeah, they really are. Yeah, but blue. I don't know how blue is his favorite color because I thought he'd have an issue with blue. So I'll, I'll have to ask him. Maybe he's a Chelsea fan. But <laughs> but you know, it's I don't know if you've seen them because you're not online that much. But you can get these glasses now. They cost thousands of euro, and there's these especially American videos that come out. You know where the p- person is after getting the, the glasses, and for the first time in their lives, they might be seventy years old, and they're getting to see the world in color. It's incredible. World. Yeah, they're really emotional. Have you seen some of those? I haven't. All right, no, maybe but I'll be me. googling there in the minute. Yeah, <laughs> they're they're really expensive though because I did look into them. I try and stay away from that world, you yeah. know, as much as much as I can because <laughs> it's a it's a crazy world that makes me kind of it frustrates me. I mean, you know what I heard this morning for the first time? Millennials don't like phone calls. Yes. Millennials regard phone calls as somebody being aggressive towards them. And millennials prefer, if you need to ring them, that you text them first to ask them if you can ring them. Is that true? It is true. Oh, my God. <laughs> did you not hear that? I, I did. And you know what? There's What annoys me as well is that they send you voice notes <laughs> rather than actually ring you. And we have a certain person in this office that is doing it so constantly. So you, they voice note you. You, you listen to it and you voice note them back. Well, no, all I, I, the time being wasted <laughs> in the world doing that. But why would they think that a phone call is aggressive? Like why? It's because it's unannounced. Because they don't, they're not prepared for it. <laughs> what do you mean? It's a phone call. Somebody wants to chat or talk or ask you a question. It's kind of social an- anxiety, you know. Is that, I just think they're it's what, what they're not used to. And they're I know, in the trenches at fourteen years of age in World War One. Would you give me a break? Um, what I also hear as well is that <laughs> the it's the guys that are at home that are on the gaming units, <laughs> and that they, they don't they just text or they or their voice note it's the phone call throws them because it probably upsets their gaming I don't know so a lot of kind of psychotherapists and that are doing very well now because younger people who are looking for therapy will they're pay not looking for, for therapy by voice note I'm telling they? you so it's really common now so you have three choices since the Covid pandemic so you can either do it face to face or you can do a phone call or you can do a text um, hour session what's going Zoom, Zoom. Yeah, and, and another thing Thumbs up is not telling somebody to F off. Thumbs up is saying, good for you, go for it, all okay. Where did did that nonsense come from? It's aggressive because it's not, instead of getting back and, you know, fawning over the person and saying, oh, brilliant, lovely, can't wait to see you. Can't wait to see you, Thumbs up, whatever. I couldn't be bothered giving you any more time than just the thumbs up. No, 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 they've hijacked, they've hijacked an emoji of a thumb and turned it from, good for you, nice one, gotcha, into F off. I mean, come on. But apparently you using the thumb emoji kind of shows your age because they don't use that anymore. So oh, sorry it, about that. It, it kind of... 
it, it dates you so like I use it myself I'm, so I'm over the hill as well I'm happy I'm, no you're not over the hill and I'm happy to be dated if that's the case I have no problem with that I'd love to hear from some young people though on, on why they have this kind of issue with phone calls and things like that it's an interesting one isn't it's it? a, anxiety their stress yeah. levels go through the roof when the phone rings oh my god someone's being aggressive yeah. <laughs> oh my god love them if they got a marketing call it is funny oh though I have a friend who literally we just she's younger as well so we're just back and forth on voice notes as Seamus said we could have six or seven minute long voice notes to each other back and forth <laughs> instead of just picking up the phone text 0868 on this let me talk to Rosemary and while I am load me up a Christmas song I'm in that kind of a mood now right so a Christmas song please if you don't mind we'll give it a spin I think Rosemary would be happy with that Rosemary good morning Good morning. You? Would you save me from this crazy world that we're living in? Um, you have six Christmas trees up. Um, I do. Well, I have five at the moment because the fifth or the, the sixth one will be going up soon, but it's a real one, so we just have to wait to get so it. So, talk to me about where they're positioned around the house and when they went up. Um, well, it starts with my big one in the hall. That literally starts the minute, like. Halloween finishes at midnight. I start prepping. The you have November. the most beautiful hall. Have you an enormous house? Um, I don't know. You've got a <laughs> no, big we, hall, I though. I house, I do, but we, it was, the, the open hall was planned because I'm that neurotic about Christmas and the tree. Your so open hall house, is just a gem. It's fabulous. Is that what meets you when you come in the front door? Yeah, the minute you walk in the front door, yeah, the tree is, <laughs> the tree is right there. Oh, and is that a little railway track going around it? I do, yeah. I have a little village underneath it and I have a Disney train that we got in Disneyland a few years ago. Okay, and shall we move into the lounge now where we have the multicoloured blue and green lit Christmas tree? That's gorgeous. Yeah, that's one of my favourites. That's um, That tree then is just full of like ornaments from where we travelled. Um, when I left home, when I moved out, my mom took a few from our home tree. There's ornaments on it from kind of some relatives that aren't with us some relatives that kind of say, say my grand aunt has dementia so I have some ornaments from her house she, she's in a nursing home now so that's a very um, oh that's sentimental and nostalgic that tree yes. a beautiful beautiful mantelpiece arrangement as well gorgeous yes. good few um, and in I think one of the oh my god your house your house is stunning beautiful bedroom with the wooden floors there's another one do you actually you don't have a fireplace in the bedroom do you? We do, we've like an electric fire, yeah, kind of, um, we've a telly and an electric fire in there, so I got my husband to put a mantelpiece so that I could decorate it for Christmas. <laughs> oh my God. And then there's one outdoors. Is that decking? Yeah, so that's off my dining room. We get um, we get a real tree every year. There's a company, or a crowd in Cork there, Cork Christmas Trees. They have a shop, I think, on the marina at Christmas, but they actually have they a Christmas do. tree farm. The old Alan colleagues, so we go down every year. They open around the 20th of November, I've been on to them. <laughs> and we go down and we pick out our tree so we stroll around and pick out the tree they come they cut it down wrap it up and we bring it home and that's the it's real one are the others all machiai yeah is the hall machiai they are now it is now it used to be real but we were to find one that was the height and the one that had enough just for all my ornaments your one so in the hall actually tips the top of the stairs nearly it's huge it's about 13 feet, about nearly 14 feet with the angel on top of it. Okay. Yeah. We got that in Hanley's years ago. Hanley's, yeah, they have huge ones. Mm. In fairness to you, it's huge absolutely ones. gorgeous. How long have you been... So, that was on November 1st, was it? Uh, yeah, so that one is up since... Well, it's finished since about November, I'd say November 2nd or 3rd, but it goes up and the lights and everything go on around the 1st. Okay, okay. Have And have you kids and nieces and nephews who come visiting and everything? 
Uh, nieces and nephews, yeah, I do. Yeah, so, and they love it, and they're, <laughs> they're used to it. Like, I remember my nephew when he was younger, he'd come in and he'd just go, no, no touch, Auntie Rosie, no, no touch. <laughs> so when, all, will, when will they come down again, considering they went up on the 1st of November? Um, I'm not a person to take them down, like, the first week of January. It actually, it, it actually kills me to do that. So they'll stay up till about the end of January, possibly. I have left them up longer on occasion, I'm not going to lie. Um, but now I don't leave them all up. I do start taking them down. But the one in the hall is the very last to come down, and that is always up to the end of Isn't January. And how many's in the house with you? It's just having your husband? Yeah. And are both of you agreed? Is he, is he in on the gig? Like, he's happy with it? Um, he is. Yeah, he likes it, obviously. Now, I, he's, he's very good, to be fair. He's probably laughing at me now because he knows I'm on. But he... He wouldn't have as much of a love of Christmas as I do because I am a bit neurotic about it. But he does love it. He loves the lights and he does help with all the trees. As did, in, like, he probably did all of the assembly, did he? Yes. So he, he helps me carry them down and we do the lights because I also, I'm very neurotic about the lights. They have to be rightly spaced. <laughs> and I do, people laugh at me and anyone else that listens that knows me is laughing. But I do a thing called a squint test. If you squint at the tree with the lights on it, you can see any gaps. That can take me a while. Oh, you'd wreck. I have to move them all around. You are neurotic. You'd wreck my neurotic. head now with that. You know? Yeah, I'm not going to lie about it. Yeah, I do. I just love them so much that when they're up for so long, I like them to be right. Oh, for God's sake. Oh, my God. Have you all your Christmas shopping done then as well, if you're all that prepared? Um, nearly. Yeah, I have a lot of it done. I do. I have a lot of it done. I, I've none of it wrapped yet, which is very late for me because normally I, I, I'm well prepared. Um, but yeah, I do. I have a lot of it done. Not finished, but yeah, most of it. And Santa Claus will be coming down your chimney? Um, yeah, no, we do. Santa and we, we have um, a resident elf as well that appears here. My nephew is uh, loves that. We have an elf and all that also appears. It's a fabulous display. Yeah. It really and truly is. Well Thank done. You. So why not? Get stuck in. Why not? You know, why exactly. Not? Why not? You know, with, yeah. that in, with that in mind, I have an urge of a, to bring it on. I have an urge for a Christmas song. Do you? Yes, please. Yeah. I, get, I, I don't yes, think I'll get much grief. I think everybody's kind of on board at this stage. Let's just bring it on, you know. I'm not suggesting I we, we play them yeah, every I think day. So. But yeah. All right. Well, I've got one organised specially for you. What's your husband's name? Declan. Okay. So to yourself, Rose, uh, Rosemary, and also to, Dre- to Declan, happy Christmas. Thanks, you too. Still feels a bit weird, by the way. Rocking around. What's the harm? Brenda Lee rocking around the Christmas tree. Which one of them? Rosemary, Rosemary has a selection of them in her beautiful, beautiful home. Way down in Killaway. And good morning to everybody in Killa. Meanwhile, lines are open at 1850-104-106. Bizarrely, as you talk about uh, hospitality, pubs and restaurants and those that are compliant and the others that aren't, that could really have an impact on what will happen across, across December. But I think it's really very interesting. Eamon Ryan uh, got two different COVID tests. The first one was positive, And then for some reason, he had a second test the next day and that one came back as negative how weird is that prompted a text from John who says Eamon Ryan was actually one of over 3,000 people who tested positive for coronavirus however for some unspecified reason that was on a particular day when the number was in around 3,000 for some unspecified reason he was advised to take a second test which gave a negative result he was then free to travel to the COP summit isn't it an amazing coincidence I wonder if all of the people who tested positive on that day took a second test how many of them would have received a negative result I wonder why this is so similar to Varadkar attending a function that everyone in the country thought was against regulations lo and behold the Attorney General was called in to correct 
or misunderstanding of the law and to exonerate him. Very interesting to email, John, and thank you for it. And those, of course, who do go about their business and, you know, should be quarantining or isolating and aren't. I got an interesting communication about a particular shop uh, where this girl who um, was sick with COVID was forced to go to work by her boss. The shop she works in, she was made to go into work even though she was sick with COVID-19. The owner insisted that she go in um, and she did and had to do for fear she might lose her job. Now, a friend of hers that works her, with her has also, also tested positive. Um, her friend's partner has tested positive. Um, the grandchild has tested positive. The mother has tested positive. And the owner is now out and quarantining as well as a result. Uh, the message that I got was right at the end, FFS. You know what that stands for. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. Okay, so uh, Rosemary has five Christmas trees. We'll eventually have six. The six will go up. But Emma's ahead of her. She's got the six up already down in your morning. Good morning. And you have the six up. I don't see any photographs of them. So describe what they are and where they are. Um, okay, I have a seven foot one in my kitchen, which is a big green tree, which is decorated like wish, all like the kids' artwork that they've done at school, like making little decorations, stuff I've got all over, you know, the county from where we're traveling, whatever, whatever. Mm. Then I have a six foot white one in my sitting room, which is done with multicolored fairy lights, and that has all my personalized ornaments on it. <laughs> Then I have two small three foot pink trees belonging to my two children. Pink? That they do up themselves. Pink? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A pink tree? Yeah. I can understand the white. Trees. You might get away with the white because it's kind of maybe snow. But pink? How do you sell that? Well, it's for my two little daughters. One is eight and one is four. So oh, they then. have all their like the little frozen ornaments and all. So granddaughter, goddaughter, all their own little ornaments that they decorate themselves okay. and they go in the hallway. Okay. Then I have a three foot white tree that's done with only red ornaments that goes in my kitchen with red lights. Oh, I like that. Then, yeah, it's gorgeous, like the cork colours. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, and I'm very particular about that one. And then my daughters have a tiny little tree up in their own bedroom. So the six trees, and not one of them is real, they're all machia. Yeah, yeah. Surely you'll buy a real tree at some stage, though, will you, and have seven? Oh, probably, if I got away with it. My partner is not so much into the whole Christmas That's thing. because everywhere he goes, he's bumping into Christmas trees, Miss Fortune, or cables and yeah. leads and plugs and lights. Yeah, yeah. He's got to go around turning them all off at night. Done. Huh? Yeah, then all the outdoor lights have to be done. We oh, have, like, all around the house and all around the door and in the window sills. <laughs> you know, you put, yeah. up, you put them up in time for the toy show, but when is the toy show? It's not a while yet, is it? It's the 26th of November this year, which is actually my daughter's birthday, so they'll be up for that. And how long will it all stay up then? Sometime in March, maybe? <laughs> if I got away with it, yeah. <laughs> uh, usually about just coming into January, like after New Year's. So all your Christmas apparel, all your bits and pieces, they must have their own shed or something, do they? Or their own room for storage? There's like half the attic dedicated. <laughs> so what? Listen, you know what? As high as <laughs> what harm? And what do all of your friends and relations make of it? Oh, they love us. They love to, to come and see it. Yeah. Yeah, and my kids absolutely adore it. They can't wait for the, the buzz of taking them down and putting them up. And 
I say it must be lovely to have all of the lights off around the house, a couple of nice scented candles going and all the Christmas trees lighting. It must be like a magic wonderland to walk around the house. Absolutely gorgeous, yeah. Good for you. All right, well, let's see if we can beat six then, shall we? I'm quite sure there's someone out there with more than six, but in fairness. Yeah, sure. If I add to the collection, I'll get back on to you. All right, Emma. Have a great day and you all. Cheers to you and your husband and your smallies. Take care. Listen, on a serious note, I will come back to that. Text 0868104106. Motorists are being advised to proceed with caution this morning. There's been a multi-vehicle collision. It happened just after eight o'clock this morning with a number of cars and a truck involved in this collision just before Shanbelly Village. Now, there are no reports of any injuries, thankfully, but there are three fire units uh, responding to the scene. Anglesey Street has since been stood down, but units from Carrigaline are there and Crosshaven are still at the scene. Thank you to the newsroom for giving me that. So proceed with caution in the area. There's been a multi-vehicle collision this morning just before Little Shanbelly Village happened just at 8 o'clock this morning. Thankfully, no reports of any injuries. Meanwhile, a disturbing email, I have to say. Thank you, Liam, for it. Disturbing email. He says, you need to highlight something for me, please. My daughter started secondary school this year and seems to be settling in okay. But lo and behold, the school have served a curveball today telling all students that they can't stay in the classrooms to eat their lunch anymore because of COVID rules. So now they have to go outside, regardless of the weather, to eat. The teachers still eat their lunch in the school, and no doubt it's a warm lunch, uh, whilst the kids don't have this luxury. Because of dress codes, they are not allowed heavier coats other than the school coat. They've already lost the use of their lockers because of this. Windows and doors are opened around the school for ventilation and heating is on, which kind of defeats the purpose. It would be nice to hear the opinions of other people on this, says Liam. So let me ha- ask others, is this happening on those other schools? And is it acceptable? Um, I mean, is it that COVID kinds of knows? Does COVID know when it's lunchtime and when it's not? Uh, has it to do with mask wearing in class, during class, but for lunch you have to take it off and that's the risk and the gamble that the school doesn't want to take? Or perhaps it's just commonplace in all schools. Text 0868104106 and I'll come back to it. But I want to get back to my phone lines because uh, it's very, very busy. People love a bit of nostalgia. Don Walsh, John, good morning. Hello. We were talking yesterday about the menu of the old Savoy restaurant. I don't know, did you hear that? It was a lovely chat. I heard a bit of it, but what grabbed my attention was that it was my father, the gentleman that was on said by far he's standing at the top of the stairs with a rugby face in it. <laughs> that's what got my attention. Perhaps from it was you going to be No, he, he said he was a lovely man, but some of us well, just, was, some of us, like me was, included, yeah, yeah, I have yeah. a grumpy face. I'm not grumpy. I don't think I am. But my, my, I have what they call a kind of a resting bitch face, they call it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's but what your dad the, had. He the just... ironic thing was that he... Um, <laughs> Twice, as long as he worked there, twice they ever see him coming out of there grumpy. <laughs> what when, did, so what, was, what when, was your dad's name? Dan, Dan Walsh. Dan, and what was his job in the Savoy? He was the chief usher. For the, for the movies, the for the films? Yeah, and my mother worked in the snack bar then. Was the snack bar completely separate to the posh restaurant it was? Yeah, she was a civil service waitress, herself, which was very important to her. Oh my Upstairs. God. So... She worked in the snack bar then, and um, do you recall it as a young fella being in there? Oh God, yes. Oh yeah. Every Christmas morning, it's there's the boys be shot, but my dad used to have to go in on Christmas morning to check everything. Yeah, 
Yeah. So yeah. I'd go in with him and I'd get the free reign of the place and I'd be an ice cream out of the, the fridges and <laughs> I'd go on stage then and sing on stage. So I'd claim the famous 15 minutes, like 15 minutes the famous, <laughs> singing on the stage of the Savoy with ice cream as a microphone. Yeah, to an empty auditorium, mind you. <laughs> an empty auditorium, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, and your dad would be up at the top of the big sweeping stairs, making sure, I suppose, that everybody had their ticket and no young fellas were trying to sneak in on the sly, you see. All that stuff, yeah, yeah. But there was uh, the funny part about it, there was another gentleman up at the guards. He used to collect the tickets at the guards. And he was partial to an old drop of uh, liquor, we'd say, yeah. and... <laughs> He'd be under the weather, so they'd tie his belt onto the big handles on the doors to keep him upright. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> it is true. <laughs> yeah. They tie him. They tie him onto the stairs railing to keep With him standing. Belt, they put the, the belt through the handle of the door and then through his, the hoofs of the, uh, the pants. <laughs> oh, oh my God. <laughs> My two, uh, That's like something out of a Laurel Hardy movie, isn't it? <laughs> go on, go on, I'm listening, go on. But his two brothers walked in there, the grill downstairs then. And ironically, his um, sister walked in the kiosk, selling the tickets. Who are your researchers in? Were they a mess at a thing a couple of years ago that she passed away last year? But oh, right. She was very fond of her. Because she mentioned her name a couple of times on 86 Emma Miller uh, and Walsh and Hawkins. So the whole Walsh family and all extended relatives, they all worked in the Savoy. There was a a good bunch of them, all right, to be honest, a good bunch of them. And tell me, you know, okay, so there was the the main restaurant, which was quite posh. Then there was a kind of a snack bar and then there was a concession shop where you bought your stuff for the cinema. And downstairs then was the grill. And there was a grill as well. What was the grill? Yeah, a grill bar was called... Well. it would remind you now the uptown grill, something like that, you know? It was an incredible building, so it must have been a fantastic... Oh, it was a fabulous, fabulous building. And okay. the, architects, the architectural stuff in there was absolutely fabulous. Yeah, and, and you know, it's 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 still visible indoor, inside, in different areas of it, you know? Particularly, oh, you know, where yeah, Golden yeah, Discs yeah, and yeah. HMV was and what have you. But tell me this, tell me about Rory Gallagher and the snack bar. She was a regular in there. My mother was friendly with him as such, but she asked him one day... What she told him one day that I was interested in music, and his answer to her was, "Tell him stay away from the guitar. There are a dime a dozen. <laughs> if he wants to get into music. Tell him learn the piano." Is that what Gallagher said? Yeah, that's what Gallagher said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Was he and was he famous at that stage? Was he making oh, he good headlines? He was coming up mad then. Yeah, yeah. Go away. He was. He said there was but too I many guitarists. But <laughs> I was there the two times that he came home, and Bad Joe was born when they showed. Soldier Blue, that movie, and it pelted the, the screen with eggs and all that stuff, you know? Tell me about that. Tell me about Soldier Blue. Soldier Blue was a movie years ago. It was about um, the, the US Calvary and the Indians, to be honest with you, but it showed them in a bad light. The Calvary, and um, they, they pelted the, the screen with eggs and the movie at the abandoned. You're joking. But ten years later, I was walking away from home in the belly bunion, and that same movie was on the loop on the television all day. I must watch that <laughs> film. I don't know that film. And it was the people in the audience. Carconians were throwing things at the screen. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And was there another episode that he came home annoyed as well from something else? It was, because that time there was, you had the Northside gang, Southside gangs, and there was a bit of a raw wind there and he took a padlock off the fella that was using for a knuckle duster. So Good that was God almighty. Any wonder he was annoyed. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. But 
Was fabulous, isn't it? Really, it was. Oh, my God. That story of your man's belt, the poor misfortune, and, uh, you know, <laughs> an awful way to be. Oh, sure. Mr. Bridge, when the night is there, uh, uh, That was up oh, in the, God. that was up, was that in the Savoy as well, or was that the Pav? That was the Savoy, oh, wasn't it? The Savoy, yeah. So the Savoy's organ came up from underground, didn't it? It used to, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he'd rise up, and he'd be playing away, playing his few tunes, and... He fell that off. Night, he, he fell off his stool. Night, she waited a couple of times, yeah. <laughs> but the night of the bunny car thing, he um, <laughs> he actually was found out in the, the the grand circle. So they had to get a guy from the audience. I think up to play that night. Ah, yeah. No, I mean that's not even funny. The poor misfortune. That's not funny. But <laughs> those were the times, I suppose. You know, those were the oh, times. The fabulous times, it really was. They were like a family in there, you know. Yeah, I, I'm confused. Yeah, actually, when I talk of HMV and Golden Disc, I'm referencing the PAV. My apologies for that. But the Savoy, of course, it's it's just such a beautiful, beautiful building. Um, and it, it could it, like how, how many could it have taken? It was just was it what was just one cinema, wasn't it? It was just the one cinema. That's all. Yeah, but the concerts that were there were incredible. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. was fabulous concerts there. You know, like concerts. Would it take a thousand people sitting down? Oh, what is it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it was 980 or something like that. It was up around the toes anyway, yeah. Isn't it amazing? It's amazing. That's a fabulous place. Happy but days. What I really annoyed him when it closed down was that the, um, there was a mural up the top in the gods, it was called, and they brought in private security, but it went missing. It really upset him that that mural went missing. And I what was the mural? Do you recall what we was talking about? I can't about? remember it myself, but he was all upset about the mural going missing. I wonder what that I was. Go on, sorry, sorry. No, I wonder what that was. I'm quite sure somebody would get in touch and tell us what it was. Go ahead, sorry, finish your story. Yeah, yeah. But um, my other uncle then on my mother's side, he used to buy tickets off my aunt, a lot of them, and then there used to be queues all the way up Patrick Street. So he'd go up and he'd sell all the tickets then in the, in the queues, you know, so that's... He'd make a few bob over. He'd put a few bob on it, yeah, because particularly Sunday nights was a very busy night, wasn't it? The queues would be... savage. Savage busy, I think. Very, very long queues. It was one of the big nights out for couples, wasn't it? It was. It was really, yeah. A lot of marriages made in that cinema, so... Oh, yeah, yeah. There and the pav as well. The queues would be down the street in the pav also. So it was great that time, you know. It was a different era, to be honest with you. Different entirely. It was great crack. And you haven't all the, the, the internet stuff that you can get these. Sure, days. I know, but the world is always changing and that's just the way it is. But it's a beautiful oh, story for you to share, particularly as a young fellow with free reign of the Savoy. That must have been amazing, just wandering oh, around. Oh, it's unbelievable. And you see there's hidden parts in there that no one ever used to see. And I, wonder, I wonder what's left of it now. I don't think there's a lot left, to be honest with you. Yeah, but that meet that big, huge auditorium area, so a lot of that was upstairs. So what's, that, what's going on there now, I wonder? You, you see, the, the downstairs was a fabulous place with all the sellers, and you had Jimmy Crowley, the stoker from Polar Fraud. He was the, the boiler man in there, and that was all underneath ground, you know, so. Keeping it, keeping it warm. Straight yeah, absolutely. At all the different shopping units. Hold on a second there before you go, because uh, Lisa's on line one. Lisa, good morning. Good morning, Lisa. Did, did you know morning, Don Walsh's dad, Dan? You did? I did. We were neighbours. We lived right around the corner. Where was and that? Elsie and Dan were the two nicest neighbours going. Now, I was four when we left. But like we used to always go back when they were having parties and everything and when the cousins were home from America. And they were just the nicest neighbours. Did he ever, give you, did he ever give you tickets for the cinema? Have you tickets <laughs> for the Savoy? <laughs> that, no, I can't remember. But Elsie's cakes were massive. I know that much. My dad had a heart attack.
intact, you know, when I was eight months old and there was five of us there. And I remember my mother telling me stories that Elsie used to bake and she'd bring around loads of cakes and she'd kind of mind us when my mother was going to visit the hospital and everything. And they were just the nicest neighbours. So and I had to remember when you said, Dan, I had re- resting bitch face. Oh, no. I said, oh, that's not true. I never. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. Don, did I say that? Yes. I said, no, I said no, I have. were talking about just I said I have a resting bitch face. <laughs> a caller yesterday no, said, no. That, a caller yesterday said that Dan Walsh had a grumpy face. <laughs> no, I'm not blaming you at all, Neil. I did hear what the man said. But I just had to ring in because they were such nice people uh, and, um, and uh, every one of them were lovely. Oh, so, lovely anyway. stuff. Lovely stuff. Listen, great to chat. Thanks so much, Lisa. And you too. Don, thanks for sharing that super story. No Thank you. Yeah. If there's anyone out there would say a prayer for my sister Lars in the hospital there where she's very sick for so long. And for a friend of mine who passed away in Boston there, Tony Martin. All right. right, okay. Say a she prayer. No prayer from Light a candle. Cheers, pal. Take care. Good luck, yes, Don. Thank you. All Bye-bye. the best. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Thank you. Somebody sent me a text there with a link, actually. I'll look at it later on. I'll pop it open. It's an archive link that says the Savoy actually had 1,900 seats when you add them all up. 1,900 seats in the Savoy. I mean, that must have been absolutely amazing. I mean, it was way too young to remember that myself. I remember being in there once or twice. Usually it was just to use the toilets in there, but uh, I don't remember sitting down watching any movies with uh, 1,900 other people. More the capital, I suppose, but I'd, I'd remember in places like that. Listen, can I just mention, um, we thought everything was rosy in the garden and sorted for the shoebox appeal, and we thought that everything had been sorted for a unit that they need for maybe three weeks to store the uh, 10,000 uh, shoeboxes, but unfortunately and sadly, that has now fallen through. I thought we had it across the line and everything was hunky-dory yesterday, but it's fallen through. So again, I'm back to you again, to try and help these good people and the volunteers, they're still looking for some kind of a secure unit. For a, They told me about three weeks. Um, we thought we had one sorted yesterday, but it fell through. Uh, so Team Hope put together these shoeboxes and they put little toys and trinkets and gifts for kids all over the world. It's a national appeal, but it starts here in Cork and it's a Cork charity. Uh, and 10,000 of them will be boxed here in Cork alone. So I'm asking again, it, it's one, proving one of those you know appeals that's proving a little bit difficult. And I'm surprised actually that it is proving difficult because I would have thought that there would be units out there that would be available for a few years, a few weeks I should say, they'll organise their own, uh, they have their own public liability insurance so it'll be of no cost to whoever has the unit. We're talking about maybe 3,000 square feet, that kind of thing just for a few weeks. So I'm asking again, if anybody can help them, because they really need somewhere to put the shoeboxes and to to fill them you know, all the the different products that they have, put them into the actual shoeboxes themselves. So please come back to me on that if you can help. You can email neil at uh, redfm.ie or you can text me on 86 I'm asking again. I do a lot of asking. I know that. But this one's proving a little bit more stickier than, than I thought it would be. So if you can help with the unit somewhere. I mean, I, I don't even know if City Hall could help. They must have storage facilities or someone out there. Maybe some developer or some somebody involved in, in you know, maybe construction or somebody who's in business that has units that isn't being used, that aren't being used for the next few weeks. Please uh, get in touch. Email neil at uh, redfm.ie. Thank you. Hey, it's Kira. Tune in to Saturday Breakfast on Red FM from 7am and wake up your weekend with music, chats and all that's happening in Cork. That's Saturday Breakfast on Red FM with me, Kira Revens. 
Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-810-4106. Red FM. With another 250 euro voucher to give away again this morning. Every day this week, Monday to Thursday, 250 euro voucher from Michelle the Jewelers. And on Friday, a 1,000 euro voucher. So we'll play a little game with diamonds from a deck of cards. And we'll have two people going head to head. I'll tell you more about that a little later on. But it's a 250 euro voucher that you can spend. And Michelle the Jewelers celebrating 60 years of business in Cork. Don't call just yet, but this is the cue to call you're listening out for again. Diamonds are forever. Will you hear that later this morning? They are all I need to please me. Shirley Bassey. Okay, so we'll take callers 10 and 11. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Back to calls in a moment, but just some texts. A lot of people coming back on um, the really unfair treatment of Roy Keane yesterday with regards to the tabloids and the videos doing the rounds. I mean, many people are saying correctly so, and I played the audio yesterday, that the guy that uh, Roy Keane stood up to uh, called him a P-R-I-C-K, not once, but twice. Um, and it's important to acknowledge that. You can't be going around people calling people names like that, particularly when they are standing around signing autographs. Um, and on Eamon Ryan and his PCR, sorry, his, um, his, his COVID test, uh, has this Eamon Ryan fiasco proven our PCR program to be unfit for purpose? Forget for a moment that the political elite can apparently avail of retests, which are unavailable to the general public. But the fact that one of his tests came back positive and the other negative draws into question every single PCR test carried out in Ireland over the course of this entire shamdemic, says Richie in Toker. Uh, another one then, Phil says, on Sunday, when the negative result from Eamon Ryan's second PCR test was trusted more than his first positive one, the Irish government and the HSC basically admitted that the COVID-19 PCR testing is completely unreliable which thousands have been stating for over a year, as false positives are rampant. This will now lead to less people presenting for tests and less people taking positive test results seriously. It's a good day, which will hopefully see numbers fall, finally, says Phil in Cove. Well, it doesn't help, does it? Their, um, you know, their argument or their belief in COVID testing being accurate if... He gets a positive one day, and why does he get a retest? What's that about the next day? And that comes back as negative. Myself and my boyfriend tested positive for COVID. I live with my mam, dad, and brother, who are all isolating for 10 days. I rang the doctor, and he said, my parents and brother can carry on as normal. I just find this weird and hard to believe, as they could be carriers and spread it around without knowing. Hope you read this out of a lovely day. Love listening to the show. Well, the guidelines on that did change. That's why the doctor is telling you that. Why is it disappointing that people are not being asked for certs, Neil? What is a cert going to do for you anyway? If you have a vaccine or not, you can still get and spread this virus. A cert is for control of yours and other lives. Please, Neil, stop contributing to that. Well, I'm not contributing to it. I'm just sharing different stories that happen to be applicable or current on the day. And 37% was the number that um, uh, they came up with uh, over the weekend for pubs and restaurants. 37% of them not asking for certs. I'm just letting you know that. Um, I'd say it's way higher than the 37% of businesses, Neil, not checking COVID certs. For instance, I was in four different pubs and two hotels in West Cork over the weekend. And I wasn't asked once for my vaccine pass for entry. If that's an indication of what's happening in general, it's a lot higher than 37%. So that's four pubs and two hotels in West Cork. And Anthony says, you had one of your friends from hospitality in the bar trade on recently. And they said the sector will be well run when it comes to enforcing the COVID restrictions. 
where are they now, says Anthony. Good point. Um, um, I think the hospitality sector and those that govern it are just as annoyed as everybody else. Mind you, um, you know, even with the COVID cert and even with the QR code and even doubly vaccinated, it doesn't stop you spreading. Lines are open on that, one 850 And people are about their Christmas trees, particularly their pink ones. Maeve, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you keeping? And, and it's six foot one. You're not six foot one. The tree's six foot one, is it? No, the tree is six foot and I'm six foot one myself. Are you really? So you're taller than a yes. six foot tree? Yes, a pink one. Fair play to you. Fair play. So you have no problem decorating the tree then? No, I have pink fairy lights that go on the pink tree. I have certain baubles just for the pink tree. I also have a green one, but that's for my two kids. All right. The only thing that's different about your beautiful Christmas tree and all of the other callers is that you'd have it up on the 22nd and down on the 27th if you could. Yes. If my son didn't want it up as soon as possible, I would put it up just for a week, not even. Well, that's, that's five days you're saying you'd have it up and down. Yes. Why? Uh, it's just in the way and just that that's long enough, like. Well, I think Christmas is too dragged out. Do you really? But the kids don't agree, yes. no? No, my nine-year-old wants a tree up this week. And I'm kind of agreeing with him because I'm due next Tuesday. Baby on the way? Yes, I spoke to you a couple of weeks ago about the man with the false teeth. Funny man who nearly caused me to into labour. Keith. <laughs> yes. Um, no, she's still holding out for another week, hopefully. And do you want all of this all of this work done before you go and have baby, is it? Yes. Just I'll... to have it over and done with and just so I can show off my beautiful pink tree because yeah. not yeah. many people have one. Yeah, get it done. Get it done then. Do it today. Where is it? It's actually my son's dad took it down from the attic, so I'm waiting on him to put it up. Okay. So they say, they say that have, staff, say, staff where? In Bandon Golf Club, if they feel like coming down to help me put up both trees, it would be absolutely amazing. Yeah, because don't they say that women who are heavily pregnant shouldn't stretch upwards? No, I'm trying to bend down is a bit difficult at the moment. No, I think well. the stretching up has something to do with the umbilical cord or something, doesn't it? I'm told. Yeah, you're not meant to stretch and you're not meant to lift heavy things. No so. way, none of that. So you can't be doing any of that now. You need to get volunteers in from the golf club to do it all. All the greenkeepers in the golf club can be free to come down and I'll sit there in a deck chair and tell them how to decorate. Okay, and as soon as it's done, Maeve, send me a photograph of your six-foot pink tree, will you? <laughs> Oh, I will, because I'm so proud of it, because I got it up in Galway. And as soon as I seen it, I was like, this is my tree. I need a pink Christmas tree. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll leave you to that, because I wouldn't have one inside the door. Not pink, anyway. I mean, green and real is where I go. I mean... You no, know, they shred, and then the mess. What's wrong with that? Sure, like that's, of them. that's part of the fun. You just hoover them up. Hoover up the pines every now and then. But if no one, well, hopefully no one else has a six-foot pink Christmas tree in Cork, so <laughs> so I'd like to be slightly different to everyone else. Well, I bet you I get texts about it. But listen, when yours is up, send me the photograph and we'll share it, all right? And good luck with the arrival of what? Baby number two, is it? Baby number three. Number three. All right, well. A little girl due next Tuesday. Fantastic.
All right. Well, listen, get the tree up before you go in for that. All right. Yeah, and don't forget to mention the Green Keepers and Bandit now to come down and give me a hand. Three times it. now we've mentioned them, the Green Keepers and Bandit. Would you ever go over and put up Maeve's tree, please? Where are you? Bandon, is it? I'm in Bandon. All right. Okay. Nice one, kid. Come back to me when it's up and best of luck to you. Jar, good morning. Good morning. You actually didn't take stuff down from last year, is it? I still have a few wreaths in one or two rooms that I haven't taken down yet, but I will be for Christmas. And what's a wreath now when it's uh, it, uh, home? Actually, they're, they're made from placid grasses that I, I've made up, made up a few myself. So they, they look quite nice even, even during the year. Are they up on mantelpieces or something or behind doors? On the wall. On the wall. But yeah, I also I, told I, you I have Christmas decorations up as well. Well, they are. They, they were made for Christmas for Christmas and they, they will be used again for Christmas decorations I might just add a few sprigs of holly <laughs> because the old ones withered but I, I I tend to leave my Christmas decorations up quite late anyway yeah, I, like, just, um, yeah, I, I like I like I like Christmas colours I like the Christmas atmosphere and I suppose I'm a bit reluctant to leave it go to um, January can be very bleak and miserable so more colour the better. I know, yeah, but I always think that by the time you hit the 4th or 5th or 6th of January, it really is over and it's kind of depressing to have them still up then, you know. It's over, you know. Oh, I don't feel that at all. No? <laughs> no? No, I, no, no. Well, I don't put up my um, decorations very early and Christmas eggs. Oh, I hope I'd better not go into that as you're on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. But no, actually, this year I've become a lot more kind of tolerant of people putting up trees early. You know, during the year, I was running past two houses in the dark and they still had their Christmas lights up. And I think they left it up because of COVID. And actually, I found it very cheering to, to run past with the bright light. But you know something? If they have the Christmas trees up now, they have them up for a reason, best known to themselves. And it's nobody else's exactly. business, you know? Exactly. I used to be intolerant about that kind of thing before, but I was like, actually, I don't really have the right to be intolerant. No, it's just nobody else's right. business. Like, get on with your own life. And you run it, you run at night, do you? Oh, yes, I do, yeah, yeah. I, I, I can run any time day or night, so it doesn't really matter to me. So you're seeing a lot, in the last few days, you're seeing a lot of trees up in front room windows then? No, no, I, I was talking about, I, I was seeing Christmas lights lighting up right up to summer in a few <laughs> houses nearby, and I think they probably left them up because of COVID and just, I don't know, maybe to give a little brightness. <laughs> yeah, to the it just felt everything. a little bit better, I suppose. Yeah, I thought that was a wonderful gesture. Or, or, or else they just legged it to Spain for six months and never took them down. I <laughs> know, uh, no, that's not true at all. all right. you, you remember that day of light or the night of light? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Darkness I, I into light. Put, I did put the outdoor Christian, Christmas decorations up again for that night and lit them. So Good man. <laughs> good man. Party. Good man. All right. Well, good to chat. Look after yourself. Take care. Thanks, Thank you Chair. for talking to me. Bye-bye. New Year's Day is the Saturday this year. Does that mean we're off on the Monday, I wonder? Nice short week to start back. Tuesday start in January. That would be a lovely start. Uh, says Texter to 0868104106. Yeah, and then you got an extra bank holiday to look forward to at some stage as well. That and lots more besides. Text 0868104106. One final thing, because if I keep moving on, I'll forget this, but Paul Burns sent me a lovely lovely photograph of an advert 
because uh, I know we were talking about the Savoy and we were talking about the Pav and places like that and got onto Christmas trees and nostalgia. But when we were talking about the, the Savoy, we were talking about the very posh restaurant. There was a number of restaurants in the Savoy. And there was also a fabulous restaurant in the Pav up the stairs as well, up the sweeping stairs and in there you go. But how many people remember Thompson's? And uh, he sent me a beautiful advert for Thompson's on Patrick Street. The interior of it, which is absolutely divine. And now clearly, all of this interior at some stage was completely and utterly gutted and torn out because at 71 and 72 Patrick Street now, there is Boots, the chemist. Um, So that's where Thompson's was. Now, I think I'm right in saying that because I Google mapped it yesterday and 71 and 72 Patrick Street comes up as Boots the Chemist and right next to it, Abracadabra. But originally, I don't know where the entire interior of uh, Thompson's restaurant went, but the furniture and the flooring, the flooring is mosaic tiling. It's the most gorgeous, gorgeous, intricate tiling. Is it still on the ground, maybe? Is it covered by a wooden floor or what? But then you have the, the counters, the shelving, the back shelving, the glass, the lights, the porticos, the beautiful, beautiful ornate pillars, the tables and the chairs, the gorgeous stairway. There was obviously an upstairs as well to Thompson's. Um, it's just a beautiful photograph. The ad says, hot and cold lunches, afternoon teas and ices, the finest assortment and highest quality of afternoon tea cakes in the trade, sent everywhere by parcel post. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous photograph. Long gone now. Um, of course, you had Thompson's, and up at the other side of the road, top of Patrick Street on the right, you'd have had the old Tivoli, which was another gorgeous building that was clearly the interior as well was completely ripped out. Don't know where all of the bits and pieces, well, I shouldn't say bits and pieces because they're beautiful pieces of furniture, and the flooring is just divine. The mosaic on that floor is just a work of art. Anyway, lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. We got calls on the way. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Massive response to Cork's best husband or partner and a lot of it also turned into Cork's best dad. I'm not going to go through the backstory to this because we've done it a number of times so just keep moving forward. But we have dinner for two at the Met at the Metropole Hotel. Thank you to everybody at Trigon Hotel Group for that one. They've also given us dinner for two at the New York Bar and Restaurant part of the Trigon Group as well. Thank you Sandra for those. Simply Suits have given us a casual smart, a smart casual outfit from their new casual range. Thank you Andrew. We also have a pamper package for the man in your life for JFM Manscaping on the Grand Parade. We have two dinner vouchers for two people at the Curryheen Park Greyhound Stadium. We have three months gym membership from everybody at the Oriole. Thank you to Kira, part of the Talbot Fitness Group. And a mini valet from Revive Me Car Wash and Valeting in the Marina Commercial Park. So lots of people have been texting on this and emailing as well. Continue to do so. I'll read some out now in a couple of minutes' time. But people are also sending voice notes. All right, voice notes. Um, stuff like this. Tommy, how are you keeping? Sorry, my apologies. It's actually this one. Hello, Neil. This is uh, Donny Donovan here from Dawkins Road. Listen, you're on the all about uh, the Best Husband Award. To be honest with you, in my mind, every man who's married deserves the Nobel Peace Prize. The, the, the amount of abuse that we have to put up with from the, from the women is absolutely frightening. I tell you, my one oh, I have what's known as the broken TV syndrome here for the last two weeks. There's picture and no sound. Although, to be honest with you, when you can't hear all, it is marital bliss, marital bliss. I, I, I suppose, how can I best describe her? Well, the children say she's a treasure. 
And in my mind, every treasure should be buried. <laughs> anyway, come here, I let you go back to your work, deal. And before we go, Neil, in every relationship, there's three rings. There's the engagement ring, the wedding ring, and by Christ, do I know about the next one? There's a lot of suffering. Good luck! <laughs> So you can also WhatsApp, audio WhatsApp, 0868104106. Thank you, Donnie. My husband is Finbar Healy. We were going out about two months when I first met his mum. That day, she said to me, if he looks after you as well as he looks after me, you'll be a very lucky woman. And he's treated me like a princess from day one. And his mam was right. I'm the luckiest woman in the world. I asked him recently the question, who are you? In three words, who are you? He instantly replied, I'm a husband, a father, and a son. He puts me, our son, and his mum first, and we feel we're number one in his life. In this busy world, we come before everything else, and he would do anything for us with all of his heart. To love and be loved is one of the greatest gifts you can give and receive in life. My husband gives me that gift every day. I also get that gift daily on the double when I see how much he loves our son, and on the triple when I see how much he still looks after his mum. He's Finbar Healy. My superhero, and I love him with all my heart, from Doreen McCarthy. And there are literally, literally um, hundreds of these, which I will be coming back to a little later on this morning. But Laura's standing by, so is Donald. First up, Karen. Karen, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Now, earlier this morning, I read out an email regarding um, a daughter, I think, who just started secondary school. Um, and everything was going grand until they were told and they now have to eat their lunch outdoors in all sorts of weather with no coats, right? Um, and the, I just wanted to check because apparently in primary school, there's no masks, but in secondary school, there are masks. So if they have to take the masks off in secondary school, I imagine that's why the schools are telling them you have to eat outdoors. Uh, well, what do you well, make of these rules? Well, um, they're, they're kind of... They're disappointing, really, you know, and um, I'm fierce angry to hear um, what poor Lean's daughter is going through, not just Lean's daughter, but I suppose for many children. Um, now, I did my own little bit of research, and it's not just secondary schools, um, but primary school children are also asked to um, eat their lunch outside. Um, so I suppose in, in terms of the guidelines in mask wearing, primary school children don't wear masks so why are they being asked to stay outside to eat their lunch in the rain you know and it's not just this country but it's the UK also um, where this is happening and there are many parents who are obviously contacting schools and you know um, voicing their anger and stuff How do you you know that? Do Do you chat with them? No, but I've done my bit of research okay. and uh, I suppose uh, parents have contacted social media, radio stations, newspapers, obviously telling their stories. Yeah, texts um, text like this one. I wouldn't put my dogs outside to eat in the cold and the rain. I'm so sick and tired of schools treating the students worse than animals. Why can they not wear big warm coats and why can't they eat inside? It's been absolutely freezing last week. This is a fecking joke. I'm so glad mine are grown up. Because there's no winning when you try to stand up for your children against a school. From my experience, if you try, they'll just take it out on your child. Comments like that, you mean? Yeah, exactly. Like teachers, for example, teachers, they can sit in their staff room, eat their lovely warm lunch. They're allowed to wear their heavy jackets and scarves inside the classroom, while students aren't allowed to wear their coats. 
and some schools as well will only allow children to wear um, the school coat, which is extremely light, you know. Um, and all the windows know, are open, right? Yeah, that defeats the purpose of having the heating on then. Um, like, you know, would these teachers, you know, ask their children at home to stay outside to eat their breakfast or their dinner? Why are you asking school children to stand outside in the rain? I just need to be or, fair to teachers, however, Karen. It's not the individual teachers in the classrooms who make the rules. It's probably well, that the is principal. Very true. Yes, that is very true. However, if I was a teacher and a parent as well, which I am a parent, if I was a teacher, you know, shouldn't you not stand up for the children? Teachers have a duty also. Us as parents have a duty to basically kick up a fuss to the school about this, you know, and not let it go. Now, there are schools who are revoking um, these absurd rules because their children were coming home starved because trying to eat your sandwiches in the pouring rain, you know, it just, you know, children weren't able to, a lot of them trying to hold the umbrella while eating a sandwich. Really? Is that true? That they're out in the rain with an umbrella eating a soggy sandwich? Very true. Yeah, I did my research, I did. Um, There are articles online from parents about this, um, especially in the UK. Um, I haven't seen much stories until now about Liam, um, you know, um, giving his voice about it, you know. But his daughter has just started secondary school. Yeah. Are these the memories we want our children to have, you know, eating their sandwiches in the pool? Here's another one. Agnes says, they make up these rules and they're so stupid and not necessary. People are sick to death of it now. Be more in their line if doctor's surgeries opened and doctors saw their patients again, for God's sake. Too many people are going undiagnosed and dying and it's not from COVID. Anita says, yes, this is happening in schools in my area too. Children who don't wear school jackets and wear other warmer coats are having their coats confiscated then are made to sit in class with windows wide open. How can they learn and concentrate with the cold? They're coming home freezing. How is this in the child's best interest? Surely any coat is better than no coat at all. Any coat, for God's sake. I mean, the windows are open for ventilation, but let them put on coats. Exactly. I mean, you know, I am an immune, I have an immunosuppressed um, immune system. And I remember when I was in school, like I would have, I feel the cold a lot more. And like, this is not COVID times or anything like that. And I would have loved to put on my coat. So can you imagine just a normal child feeling the cold? Our children are vulnerable, are the vulnerable in society, whether they are immunosuppressed or not. So think about the children then that are immunosuppressed. And they're made to go out in the rain. And then, you know, we're sending our school, our children to school to be safe. However, they're coming back then with colds, chest infections, flus. And then they're made to stay at home from school because they have symptoms. There are, but someone is bound to say, Ira, toughen up. It's only a bit of weather, you know. It's only for a half an hour or 20 minutes. Get over it. No? Well, Neil, I'll tell you what now, right? We're in... Um, we're in the day where we have a homeless crisis, so you know what? Are you telling homeless people should toughen up on the streets and stuff? Is no, and I don't think that's the point that will be made. Not when you're living well, 27, twenty four seven on the streets. In Twenty my minutes. Opinion, it is the point. Like you know, children, they're small children, whatever. You know, I don't care what age under eighteen, you're still a child. You know, I mean toughen up, well then we should be telling the homeless, toughen up too so with the cold, whether it's just for half an hour whether it's just for half an hour so what, 
Like, you don't make children eat sandwiches. Okay. And that made me have to ask my own five-year-old, um, where does he eat his lunch? And thankfully, he told me in the classroom, what is wrong with children eating their lunch in the classroom? Because the, I know that. I'm just trying to explain that maybe the difference is masks for secondary, no masks for primary, you see. Well, if primary schools are are trying to implement these absurd rules as well as secondary schools, you know, what? You know, it, it doesn't matter, mask or no mask, vaccinated or unvaccinated. You know, children learn in the classroom um, for how many hours a day. You know, if for 10, 15 minutes they took off the mask just to eat their lunch and put it back on again, you know, we send our school, our children to school to be safe. And, you know, the, the schools should be able to accommodate for the, the okay. distancing and, okay. and all that. All right, thank you, you know? for that. We covered a lot of ground. Thank you, Karen. Laura standing by. Martha, good morning. Um, hi, Neil. How are you? Um, I'm good, thank you. Uh, your daughter's school, tell me about that. Well, we are in Ballycotton, so it's a primary school. Um, and I am actually horrified to hear all, all the stories from secondary school, especially in Middleton. And I'm so grateful that I don't have to um, go through this personally with my daughters and I, I honestly I'm quite shocked and, and horrified it, it's quite hard to believe for me that this is going on um, like I can't really understand how can teachers say if you don't have the school kind of crested um, the email said the teachers still eat their lunch in the school and no doubt it's a warm lunch while the kids don't have this luxury because of the dress code they're not allowed heavier coats other than the school coat uh, and that's so come uh, on are we really putting that dress code ahead of our kids kind of well-being like you know that that makes absolutely no sense to me um, and in fairness um, I did actually say that um, the other day that if I had my children outside eating their food um, in the cold and in the rain even if it's for 20 minutes I'd say hey, one of the neighbours would probably call Tusla on me <laughs> So how are we allowed? I'm pretty sure. Like, I would be concerned if I saw that. So I just can't gather, you know, like, how can this be happening in schools? And I do understand. How do you you get around the aspect of if you're wearing a mask all day inside in a classroom in secondary school and then one Mm -hmm. would be allowed to take it off for half an hour at lunchtime? What is the point then having the the mask on the rest of the day? Probably the same as in the restaurant, Neil. It's like in a restaurant, when you're eating, you have a mask off. But when you go to the toilet or you go to order something or you go to order a drink, you take your ma- you put your mask on. So I imagine it's pretty much the same thing. And if you're eating, you're not really talking either. So you're not like, you know, spreading the whole... Okay, um, so you could, eat, you could eat at your desk in silence. Well, <laughs> you know, it's kids, uh, but... But, no, you know, it's, it's I'm just look. I'm just trying to look at the practicalities of it. You know, I mean, I don't okay. want, I don't want any, I don't want any child out without a coat in the teeming rain, freezing mm-hmm. with the cold. I, I don't. I mean, I'm quite sure some people will say toughen up. It's only for 15 minutes, but that's all very well. But if you had to do it every day, day in, day out, in all sorts of different weather, you'd be sick eventually. Yeah. You'd be sick of it and sick from it. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. So it's just, like it's virtually like uh, we don't want uh, you know to get covered, so let's give the kids pneumonia. Like it, you know, it's it's you can't really do that, can okay. you? Right. And I don't understand your concern how what, about the practicality of it, but at the same time, 
um, we do it everywhere else. We do it in restaurants as well. So what's the difference? Okay, let me talk to Laurel. Thank you, Martha. Have a good day, Laurel. Good morning. Hi, good morning, Mim. Okay, do you want to pick up on this conversation? Go ahead. I suppose I, I was going to make a point that this has been going on for years that they've been going out to the yard because I have a daughter in her 20s now they spent the whole six years in secondary school going out to the yard for their lunch. If it's mis- misting rain, they're still out there, but if it does kind of get heavier, they're brought in. But they'd be kind of getting attacked by seagulls and everything, like the seagulls know the lunchtime and everything every day. <laughs> So, like in, sec- in secondary else, schools, do they, do they not have any kind of area, some kind of common area where normal, normally kids could just go and eat their lunch? No, do they? Have, yeah. The funny thing is, all those years ago, we had um, an open night, and we were in, we were shown the benches that they'd be having their lunches, that which were never used in the whole six years she was there. In a kind of a, a, a central area of the school, like a mall area, where they would sit and eat. Yeah, and they yeah, never and yeah. they never used them. They never used them. They just sent them outdoors. And why didn't the parents kick up about that all those years? Yeah, I, I don't know. We just kind of, I suppose at the moment now there is kind of, um, my son is there a few years and the same thing is happening. So it's not just from COVID, but he seems to say that if he's not going out to the air, he doesn't see his friends because most of his friends are in a different class, you know? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's his only chance to kind of have a chat with his friends during the day. But if he chose he to stay in, would he be allowed to eat indoors? No, they no. have to eat their lunch outside again okay. with the seagulls hovering above their heads. Down Valley Cotton Way, you have a lot of them, yeah. Yeah, they're pulling down top of them, and there's a big kind of a cheer then if somebody gets caught, you know. So by, by seagull poo, is it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't say. Oh, I can imagine how uncomfortable it is trying to eat food and kind of dodging. Dodging seagulls at the same time. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Thank you for that. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Grace says, uh, "It's a bloody disgrace." My son was threatened by his yearhead that if he didn't take his school crested jacket off in class, he was being sent home. My son was nearly three weeks out sick, two COVID tests negative, thank God, and was on antibiotics for a chest infection. He went back into a freezing cold classroom. But it's grand for staff, though, to layer up, yet my child can't wear a school jacket in class. The government lash open places with hundreds in dancing and drinking and no masks, but to throw our kids into freezing cold classes or outside like dogs to eat their lunch. Uh, Marianne says, I really think all people in authority in all walks of life need to get a dose of cop on. We need to learn to live with this, and it can't be a case of one rule for one situation and another rule for a different person in the same situation. Yeah, I suppose you could extend that, actually, to wondering why masks in secondary and no masks in primary. To be fair, there are schools where teachers are made to eat outside as well. Uh, We are not the rule makers. My class, this is from a teacher, my class are wearing warm body warmers uh, under their uniforms and, what is that word, gillettes or gillettes over their jumpers. I even have kids wearing hats. Whatever makes their day easier. Well, there's a teacher with a bit of cop on for you. Moraid said, all the windows and doors are open in my child's school and the heating is broken. The kids have sore throats and colds coming out of the place. This lunacy must stop. I'm thinking about homeschooling until the weather gets warmer. It's an abuse of our children at this stage. They are freezing. There's reams of this. Come back after the break. Thank you. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter.
at Neil Red FM. Uh, Kathleen says all the parents need to get together and make a stand. It cannot be one rule for the teachers and another for the students. Also, why not let them have their lockers and sanitize them as they use them? Uh, all parents should cause uproar over this. All these rules don't even make sense. It'll only get worse. It's only November. Imagine the cold coming in January, February and March. No wonder all the students are getting sick, getting colds, but then they have to go for a test. It's ridiculous. We know where they're getting the colds. The whole situation is a disgrace. Not to mention the teachers who are shouting at the kids to pull their masks over their nose over and over again. It will never end. Catherine says, different schools seem to have different rules. My kids' school allow them to wear extra layers over their uniform. Listen to this. Extra layers over their uniforms, even their own non-uniform hoodies. I got mine fingerless gloves to keep them a bit warmer in the class with the windows open. Um, you like as if you're going to the North Pole, that description. Fingerless gloves and everything. Anyway, they eat their lunch at their desk. I don't see why they wouldn't as they do their lessons at their desk. After they eat, they go outside for a bit, uh, a bit, just weather permitting. This post, you know, the posters that we see these days to get on to the parents and approach the school. If they don't get anywhere with the principal, get on to the board of management. And just two more. These rules are ridiculous. My teenage daughter got sick because she was sitting in the freezing cold classroom and came home and passed out, passed it on to the whole house. Her cold. My little girl, who is 14 months old now, is choking all week. It's her first time ever being sick. Nothing worse than seeing your kids sick. Something must be done about this. How can they expect kids to learn if they're frozen with the cold? And the final one. I don't know what school you're talking about, but it's the exact same in the secondary school I went to. Outside, no matter what the weather. And no alternative jacket besides the school one. And not allowed into classrooms to eat. This was years before the pandemic. It was also not anywhere close to an adequate level of seating for students, meaning most, almost all the students had to eat their lunch standing up or trying to hold their lunch boxes outside or else sit on the floor and risk being given out to for doing so. Honestly, students are treated worse than prisoners. And I only realized how horrific this was when I left and I actually grew up and looked back on it through my mind's eye. So thank you for all of those texts. Keep them coming. Text 0868 We're talking about compliance as well. Um, and uh, it's, it's interesting because uh, when you talk about the 37% of pubs or restaurants who did not have um, any checks in place and didn't check COVID passes, it's risen to 37% now. It's continuing to rise. Last time they looked at this, the non-compliance rate was at 21%. But there are there are fines for it. I mean, people are telling me by text that these are guidelines. Um, you wish, but they're not guidelines. They're actually a rule, uh, which makes them law. Um, I don't make the laws, but for those that are caught, somebody went in and found a load of people in there and they couldn't um, uh, prove that they checked a QR code and scanned them. There's a two and a half grand fine in that. Um, at the moment, we have like, I think it's north of 92% of the pub population now doubly vaccinated. So at what stage they're going to say enough is enough, I just do not know. So anyway, keep coming. Text 0868-104-106. Pick up the phone on one 850 With a €250 voucher to give away again today for ourselves and Michelle the Jewellers. And on Friday, we give away a €1,000 voucher for Michelle Jewellers. Family-run business, bespoke jewellery for any occasion. And of course... Diamonds are forever, but they're especially forever at uh, Christmas time. So this is the cue to call you're listening out for. Don't call just yet. Stay listening. We'll take callers 10 and 11 when I play this again. Diamonds are forever. They are all I need to please me. And talking of diamonds, let's just go back to weddings and different receipts that we had from recent days. Some beautiful stories, actually, the last few days on this. Norma, good morning. 
Good morning, Neil. And what's really interesting about this is this is not fit 1959, 69, 79. No, it's 1989 in the Metropole, was it? Correct, yes. And in 1989, you got married and your receipt was less than £500. Correct, £495. That's amazing, because I got married, um, you know, two, three years later than you, and it was thousands. So how how come it was so low? I knew you probably had a big posh over to or didn't. <laughs> it wasn't anyway particularly posh, in fairness, but I suppose there was the bones of 200 people. How many were at, um, maybe 150, how many was at yours? 48 adults and three children. Oh, well, I suppose that's the reason why. But uh, there was a lovely surprise, Neil, when uh, oh, we were driven outside the uh, the metropole. that had the red carpet out, which I was I was delighted with that because uh, it was a nice uh, extra thing that they put on, you know. Don't they always have the red carpet for the bride and groom, no? Well, I don't know. It was the first time I think I ever walked the red and carpet. And you loved I'm quite it. With you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lovely thing. Metropole must have been a beautiful place to be married. Did you have a great day? Oh, we had a lovely day. It was in the McCorkin room. It was lovely, actually. And there's a kind of a corner window. And we got a photograph taken there with the wedding cake. And it was very unusual. Oh, lovely. And did you feed them for the £495 you did? Well, I have the menu here. Will I read it out to you? Please do, yeah. Please do. Um, Well, she told me the the normal thing, people have cream of uh, soup. So I said, yeah... But she said, "'Tis your day, you pick out your favourite soup. So that I don't think they'd like my favourite soup. Which is oxtail soup? Oh, I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. Packet, packets of powdered oxtail soup, I hope. I don't know what it was, but it was beautiful. That was uh, oxtail soup. I love roast it. Chi- roast chicken and ham, cream carrot, buttered peas, cream potatoes, Sherry trifle, tea and coffee. Oh, I'm starving. I'm starving. The sh- the trifle is is that still hugely popular? It's certainly trifle is featuring in all of the old weddings. Well, I tell you the truth, no Neil. If you put a bowl of trifle in front of me there, you wouldn't get a spoon of it. I'd eat the whole lot of it. And tell me, everyone's trifle is different. If, do you make trifle yourself? Well, I make it out of practice. What like what what so you get it do you even get a couple of Swiss rolls as a base or anything like that? Well I don't because I'm the only one now and uh, would eat it in my house. So, so is it is it one of the box of birds trifles with the with the powdered custard and the powdered base? Do you put fruit in it or anything? Jelly well, only, I suppose. Well, tin of fruit there, I throw it into the jelly, you know. <laughs> but to the birds, the birds packet, I would use myself because when they were small, now I'd make, uh, you know, all the fresh one. Seeing that I only eat myself. Yeah. I um, I just make that for myself. All you know? right. Okay. Okay. And tell and tell me this: for the four hundred ninety-five pounds for the dinner, it's beautiful dinner, chicken and ham, gorgeous. Was there a free bar as well, or how did that work? Well, no, there was uh, drinks at the, the breakfast and then there was a couple of drinks after that. But I have the receipt here in front of me and I have two other sheets of paper from the Metropole. But there's not a drink down in it and there was free drinks there. They forgot to charge you for it. Well, it's possible <laughs> because it, say, it says here, 48 adults, £10 a head, three children, £5 a head. I forgot. Well, maybe they did. 
Well, they didn't. The tenors for the dinner, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say you got away there, Scott Free, with the bar bill. And you go on honeymoon. Uh, we got the bus down to Yall because <laughs> I was unemployed at the time and that's all we could afford. <laughs> what did you do when you got to Yall? Uh, we booked into, um, you know, one of these, uh, I know, um, bed and breakfast. It's not a bed and breakfast, no, it's, uh, you know, like a kind of a flat. A flat. <laughs> did you stay long? We stayed two weeks and I came back early because I had someone looking after my dog and he wasn't eating. So I said, "Spend the rest of the honeymoon and going home to your dog. And what did you do in y'all for the 10 days or so? How did you spend well, the time? I love y'all and my husband is English and he loves y'all. So, you know, we went up the beach, we went down the town and of course a lot of time in the pub. <laughs> you go to you the Mer- do you go to the Marys and things like that? Well, and um, we didn't get, go there at night, like, but uh, we used we used house a lot, you know, at night. You're dead right. Fantastic. Well done. Great story. And when you got back then, the dog was okay, was he? He started eating again. He was well, lonely. The minute he saw me, he nearly jumped up to me head, and he, you couldn't stop feeding him then because, you see, my parents had died a couple a uh, short time before that. And I was the only one in the house with the dog before I got married. Ah, uh, the dog was lonely. Oh, he was broken hearted. And you were homesick for the dog, poor old Miss Ford. I was, I was saying, when you ever get sick, come back and I see me poor dog. <laughs> <laughs> it's enough for this honeymoon lark, it's overrated. I'm going home to the dog. Well done, lovely story. Yes. Thanks so much, Norma. Delighted okay, you called. You Cheers, God bless. God bless. Take care. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850 104 106. Red FM. And we were talking, uh, Visa Kind, about the price of things going up, whether it was food or drink, and we all know of energy. I'm a prepay customer and I can't afford it anymore. There used to be a time that 20 euro used to do for the week, Neil. It crept, creeped up to 30 euro for the week. Now it's 40. And now I'm putting in 50 euro. And realistically, that isn't doing me the week either. 60 euro basically is what would get me through the week. It used to be 20. Imagine that. That's just electricity. Never mind all the other bills. I'm a single parent finding it very hard to afford electricity along with other people. It's only in the last month, but I am really noticing it. Yes, you are. And we're all noticing things like that. You'll notice it whether you're prepay like you. Uh, if you need assistance, do come back to us and uh, because there is help available. And also people are noticing it with regards to the bills that are coming to the door. Not to mention uh, the cost of a fill of petrol. Now, I know some people will say, well, I just put 50 in. I don't really ever particularly look at the cost of the litre. You should be looking at the cost of a litre because it's north of 170 now. And 12 months ago, it was 112, you know? So even if you put 50 in, you probably must be noticing, you've got to be noticing that the 50 that's gone into the tank fills up an awful lot faster than it used to do. Um, and of course, then we were talking about callers yesterday, talking about the price of, um, of drink going up. And I was mentioning, you know, food items that you would normally get a breakfast from 9.99 going to 11.99. I paid eight euro for a glass of white wine in town on Saturday. Eight flipping euro. I could have bought a full bottle for that and then some. It's too much, really, isn't it? I mean, a glass of wine. I mean, if it's just a reasonable glass of wine in a pub, it's a fiver, isn't it? People are living in La La Land. I was around town last week and the pints were normal prices, though. Somebody yesterday saying that pints in many places in the city are 7 euro. I'm listening to the girl talking about the price of cocktails. Uh, That's right. It was 1992 in De Lacy's. I remember going to De Lacy's after work uh, over in Garibaldi's restaurant 
and we got two euro, two pound cocktails that were beautiful. And the cab home up the road to Barrack Street was one fifty. Those were the days, says Regina in ovens. But what was your wage back in 1992, you see, you remember? The baldy barber, who I actually saw, a whole tribe of them were down in Port McGee at the weekend. He said he had a great pint of Murphy's in the moorings in Port McGee, and it was only €4.50. He said it was my first visit, great place, and it won't be my last. Well, it was great to see you, Mick, and all those with you. There's very little alcohol in those cocktails anyway, Neil. In my bar, in the bar my sister works, the cocktails are pre-made with syrup bottles. It's just sugar and syrup with only a tiny drop of alcohol. They really are ripping the ladies off. One or two more. People are right about the price of things going up. And 99 cone is no longer 99 pence. Everything except wages has gone up. Was there ever a time when a 99 was 99? I think the 99 cone has to do with the um, uh, box reference number on the side of the cones, I think, or something like that. Uh, I mean, if you go back far enough, a 99 cone was only pennies and pence, but certainly much dearer now. What would a large one be back in the summertime? Maybe a large one with the flake would have been, would it have been 250, I suppose, wouldn't it? You have a load on about the price of drink in town. Cocktails in town are 12 euro. The cost of living is a joke. (laughs) I don't think you include cocktails in the price of the cost of living, but maybe some people do. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. So just before Lana leaves, there was a text there saying a 99 cone is long, no longer 99 pence or 99 cent. And I was wondering, if was, it, was it ever 99? And that wasn't the reason for it being called 99. Jump in there, girl. You got something for me? No, well, I like, as you know, I love history. And apparently the majority of ice cream merchants in the 30s and right through right up to the 50s were Italian. And the king of Italy had an elite bodyguard consisting of 99 men. So anything elite was called 99 by Italians. So that's why they called the elite ice cream a 99. Yeah. Okay, but it, it, so it has nothing to do with the registration or a code on the box no. of the cones no, or anything? No, it's much more interesting it's than much that. much more interesting. Yeah. I thought it was just a kind of warehouse number No, no, no. And it's really interesting about the Italians because a lot of them, they came to Scotland in particular. I watched a documentary on about how they travelled to Scotland and they set up either ice cream shops or chip shops. Great chippers. The yeah, Italians. fantastic. Yeah. And they'd go back at different times of the year so they'd come say in the summer for the ice cream shops and then they'd go back to Italy to work with the family and bring back the money they'd made in Scotland to bring it back to work on the farms or wherever they were from and when you think about it, that's the 1930s yeah amazing isn't it? unbelievable that they travelled that stage Absolutely. and travelled that far yeah, yeah yeah and of course when the word went out that there was good business in UK or indeed in Ireland Absolutely. more came of course yeah. settled down here that's amazing okay yeah. so the elite bodyguard was 99 men and anything elite then was called 99 and that's the 99's it. the elite of ice cream. Oh my God, is it what? It's the king of them all. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851-04-106. Red FM. Tommy, how are you keeping? How are you getting on? Uh, not too bad, Neil. It's just that uh, I was, uh, I ran up a bill, a death bill. Yeah. Uh, with cocaine. I had a habit before. Right. Uh, I had a drug habit, but uh, I came over it. And do you mind me asking how much the drug debt was? How high did it get? Yeah, uh, 7,500. And how long did it take you to run that up? Uh, less than six months. And, you know, did did that mean that you got 7,500 euro worth of free cocaine or were you kind of paying bits back or what? Yeah, I was paying bits back and then I suddenly 
I was on shop welfare, so I was getting more and extra and extra on Joey's college, you know, tick when you get, you pay whenever weekly when you're paid, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So you're only paying and little bits of it off and the drug debt was just getting higher and higher and you were paying small yeah. bits. And then they were adding extra money onto the debt, were they? Yeah, because uh, I came homeless and then I was staying, I got a van off on my garage, you know, caravans and they sleep, to sleep in and then Basically, my auntie said I could move in with her, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I got up my shop welfare. Yeah. And I went working full time. And were you still using while you were working? No, I'm off it now the last two months. Right, okay, okay. And have you I managed to get the debt down at all? Yes, I'm down to 5,000. Has one of the dealers got your, your bank card, your debit card, your tap? Yeah, I have all my shop welfare, yeah. So, well, not much of my on my payment every weekly, like. So, any money that you make working goes into your bank, and do they just draw it out? Is it? Yeah. So they collect your wages. Yeah. Well, basically, that was a deal for my own safety. To be honest. In what way? What do you mean safety? Like you know, like to keep me safe. Like otherwise, if I didn't have the money every week, you know, God only knows what happened. Like. What usually happens when someone can't pay? Basically, you could be broken leg or. It goes down to a family member or it could be worse. Okay, so they could give you a bad baiting or break a leg or give you a hiding or they threaten a family member that they have to pay up, is it? Yeah, or they could make it worse. You could be killed, like, for your money, like. Does that happen? Yeah. Do you know of people who were killed because they had drug debts? Yeah, I know a person who happened to have before they got killed over a drug debt, yeah. Do you know and how... It was smaller than my money. Smaller than yours, five grand? Yeah. And I don't want any names or anything, but how did they die? I don't know the details, but all I know was that the young person, they were found in a nearby, in a ditch, like. Beaten or shot or stabbed or what? I didn't know the details, to be honest. So were you worried that the same could happen to you if you didn't clear the debt? Yeah. So if you've down to 5,000 now and your wages are going directly to repay the debt, which you clearly owe. How do you survive? Well, that's the thing. I was staying in my auntie's and my my ex-girlfriend, she was giving me 20, 30 euro a week. And I was giving that to my auntie for my food and depending on my ex-girlfriend for food. Okay. And now my auntie's kicking me out of the house and coming home this tomorrow, so... I basically have nowhere to go tomorrow and I work some night shifts. Okay. So basically, like, I went to the Cork County Council. I'm already from the county side, you know? Yeah. And uh, the Cork County Council said, oh, all we can give you is a night lane. And I said, I'm not being bad. I said, not being eager. And I said, night lane's at 11 to half seven in the morning. That's the same. When you say night lane, you're saying the Simon, but you're working yeah, then. Yeah, Simon. Yeah, you're working but then. I don't work every night, but some nights and... I just said, look, could you not put me into a B&B until January until my debts are paid and I'll be willing to pay back whatever they cost, you know, until I get my own place in January, yeah, but yeah. they won't listen to me. I basically have nowhere to go tomorrow night and no money. And you have to move out. It's just not working out with your aunt, is it not? Yeah, it's not just working out. Okay, and you have to move on. You have to move on. Yeah. And you know when you owe a debt to a drug dealer, um, let's say you get... 5,000 euro worth of cocaine. There's interest on that, is there? Yeah, it goes up so long. It depends on how long you're paying it back. 
what would the interest be on, say, a hundred euro worth of coke? Well, we, we say if you get a hundred euro, and we say if you say two weeks, and if it's not paying two weeks, whatever they put onto it, you'll have no choice to pay it. Would it double? Like, I'm just curious. Oh, it could be double, it could be triple, whatever they say, you'll have to go, you'll have no choice to go by what they put on. Like. It just gets higher and higher and higher. Yeah. And have you ever had to go to like money lenders or rob or steal for it to pay it back? Do you mind me well, asking? Well, I was homeless before, and to be honest, I never robbed or anything. All I used to do was beg on the streets, get arrested for it, get court charges. That's the far as I went. I went to money lenders, and I basically just stopped because I was running myself in debt with them too, so there was yeah. no point in me getting in debt with other people. So do you also own money lenders as, as well as dealers, drug dealers? No, yeah, but like there's the bill is split between you could see three different people. Do you get me? Yeah, okay. And did you ever have to do time for it? No, you were, you know, you said that you got no, in trouble. No, never got time. No, no. It's been a chaotic time for you, you know. Yeah, like I started getting my life on track with the last two three months. I had been working up much well for I thought I was happy in my aunties, but things in just walking out of the house is over too crowded and there's always crowded. fighting here so yeah I know and is it cocaine or is it crack cocaine it was cocaine I was taking to be honest I was honest and how did I'm you uh, that too much. fair play to you how did you start how did that happen you sound quite young to me you know I'm 23 how did it start 23. Um, going back about less than a couple of years ago a family member died and uh, we were at the funeral and we we're we we're having a few drinks and uh, and another family member said to me, Will you try this? And after that I kept trying it and then it went into a habit, basically. Did it did it become habit form, forming very quickly? It did because I think what happened to me was I think it was over the grief over the family member, I was very close to him who died. Yeah. And I'm not making excuses, I think it was just that I weren't thinking. Yeah. And I took the first two, three lines after that. You just have to have more and more and more. Yeah. And I suppose you found it easy to get it then on credit or, you know, from dealers yeah. to pay later. Yeah. And are there many people, do you think, stuck like you with big drug debts? To be honest, I think there is, to be honest. And do you think a lot of family members do end up bailing them out? I do, but like... Honest, I'm not going to go to my family because no one talks to me in my family. The only person I had was my auntie. I know, and yeah, yeah. That was my last resource. I know. Did you burn bridges, I suppose? You have to take I time to... Like, yeah, yeah. I was living my mother's and me and my brother had it. And I weren't thinking at the time, so stupid shit happened, like, you know. And it's all related to drug abuse and drug addiction. How did you manage to stop? I tell you what happened was about two, about less than three months ago when I started to stop much, I ended up, I got a, for a 23-year-old, they told me in the hospital, I was the youngest person in history to get a mini stroke. Good God, were you using a lot every day? Uh, we say uh, about 3.5 grams a night. Is that a lot? Forgive me for not knowing. How many lines would that be? Oh, it's basically like you're getting, you're getting near, nearly four bottles of cocaine for half the price. How much would that cost tonight? Well, two hundred and fifty. If not, and if I went drinking, if I wanted, if I wanted more, I could get more. Like it'll cope to five. Like you get two, or three, two or three bags of that. Like and that could be four or five, six hundred euro a night. But not every night, surely. Yeah, I was taking it every day and every night. I, I wasn't sleeping for two or three months. That's how I got the mini stroke. I weren't eating. 
so you can't eat when you're on it. All you do is drink, drink, you know. You cannot eat, like... On the streets, is it? No, it was in houses when I was doing it yeah. at the time. So, how, I mean, how could you maintain running up a debt of, say, four or five hundred euro a night for weeks and weeks on end? Sure, like, that's... Very few people even working full-time on a good wage would be able to pay that back. Yeah, but see, the boys, every week I was meeting with at my post office, I was getting them off welfare every week. So they take your welfare card or they take your dole or they keep your bank card and they just take the money every week while also giving you drugs on tick. Yeah. It's a never-ending cycle though, isn't it? And then they're adding no. and then they're adding interest onto it as well. Yeah. So what have you done to now? You've been down to five grand, is it? How long will it take you to clear it, do you think? I don't know because yeah, when you're picking up work and I'm working part-time, so I really don't know how long it's going to take me. And why don't you work full-time? Can you not get full-time work now that you can? Yeah, I can get full-time, but at the moment, the night shifts, they're, like, they're only starting to pick up the bit of work again, so it's, yeah, all, yeah. it's all up. Like, it could be four nights this week, it could be two or three nights, it could be you know, five or six, so... Do you keep the dole as well, though, with the part-time wages? No, no, I give up that. Okay, so how much would you be pulling a week now? About, literally, three seventy-five. Into your hand? No, into the bank after taxes. After tax, yeah, 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 yeah. So that would take you three seventy-five, and you owe five grand, and that's going to keep on climbing. That's about maybe sometime in February or March of next year. Is it before that will be clear? Yeah. Very important that you don't start using it again, you know. Yeah, no, I'm not using it. It's just that space. I'm gonna be homeless tomorrow and nowhere at all to go. Like, and I'm afraid in case I end up on the streets that do I want to have somewhere to sleep. That you might be tempted back to using again. Yeah, and I don't want to go down that road. Like, I don't want to go back down that road. You know. And why did you travel to Mad- Mallow? Is, is it is it North Cork you're from and you might be able to get on yeah. a list there, is it? I'm on the housing list in North Cork, but there were all promises on the phone that they'll get me a B&B and all this, and then I told them about my debt problem. They shot me down straight away. Okay. Okay, would you think it'd be better if you hadn't told them anything about that? But like I'd be forced to be honest, you know, Lying to my case, they said to me, "Look, you have to pay so much a week, so yeah. I won't be able to afford it." You know. You haven't got your. Uh, you haven't gone to the guards or anything, no, looking for help. I, I won't go down that road, to be honest. I'll only make things worse myself. You would definitely get into trouble with the dealers, then, would you? Yeah. Because there are a couple of different sets of dealers that you owe money to. Yeah. And you're probably also worried that they might chase down your family for the money. Yeah, so I won't do that. Are you very worried about it? Yeah, I am, to be honest. I, like, to be honest, I'm just worried about it more, like, as long as the more I get to work, I'm happy. It's just that from tomorrow night, tomorrow night I'm on about, when, if I'm homeless, and if I'm working, it's great, but in the mornings, where am I going to sleep? Like, I can't sleep in doorways, or I don't before, but you can't sleep in mornings, because you have people around town at daytime, people walking. You'd be moved girls, on. Girls, come on, move you on. You yeah. can't sleep in cubby holes because you have security guards coming out. And have you done, all, have you done all of that? Like car parks, cubby well, holes, alleyways, doorways? Yeah, I was homeless going back about three years ago. I was homeless. And uh, I was sleeping out and my ex-girlfriend was homeless at the same time and we never knew she was pregnant and she actually lost the child over. And that was a reason too why you went on the drugs. And you think that the child was lost because of uh, her living conditions and her diet? And yeah, they said because two of us were sleeping out. Like she was sleeping out with me at the time. 
she was keeping me safe kind of basically at the time like. okay and are you all alone now or do you have a girlfriend no I'm not alone it's just that my ex she looks after me she gives me like I don't ask her but she knows my situation she meets me when she's paid over this building and she gives me money she brings me for food and you can't move in with her she's got nowhere that you can crash no, no? No, it's like that she has her own difficulties. She's barely back home, so I literally have nowhere to go. And do you mind if we contact City Hall to see if they'd put you in B&B, see if there's anything they can do with it? Yeah, I went to the City Hall, but they said I have to go deal with the county, and the county won't do nothing for me because they give me the homeless half, and I left that house because I was in the house before living there, and I got assaulted in the house, and that's the reason I gave it up. You gave up a house that you had for yourself? Yeah. That's a big mistake, Tommy. Why'd you do that? Because um, I was living in an apartment and uh, there was a fellow downstairs and he came up and he saw me inside the house for nothing so I didn't feel comfortable there. Why didn't you call the guards, have them arrested? I did. And then my, my auntie said then that she'll take me in. Okay. And so you, can't, you it, can't go back to them again now? Are they saying you burned your bridges, is it? They're saying that they won't put me into a hospital or they're saying all you give me is half. And I said... They said, get a house here. And I said, look, I'm not being bad. I said, how can I pay for it for the next two or three months until I have, I have my debts paid? How can I do it? Where would you get anyway? So there's no more available. You wouldn't have a hope. Yeah. And uh, what about Penny Dinners? Have you tried Katrina Toomey and Penny Dinners? Can they help you? Si- have you tried Vincent de Paul? Yeah, I tried a good few people, but there's nothing they can do at the moment. And then I tried, I won't give his name for possibly, but I was talking to a TD on Friday and... He was willing, he said he'd meet up with me. He never showed. I have messages on my phone from him. And I have messages on WhatsApp. And he guaranteed me that he'll ring me today, that he'll put me to a hotel tomorrow out of his own pocket yeah. for the next month. And he's ignoring all my calls and my messages. And I just want him to reply back just to say, look, he's not helping me. Or is he getting onto the county hall just to see... Ah, well, I mean, that's that's not very kind now to say that he would do something like that and not take your call. He actually promised that he'd put you in a B&B for a month. Yeah, and he said to me, and I'm bad, he said to me, Friday, he goes, look, I said to him, I said, look, I just want to come home. So I said, I finished night shift. I said, I'm tired. I said, look, I need to go to my auntie's grocery. He said, look, I'll meet you outside a certain place. I went to a certain place. I waited there three hours, text him, whatever. There was nothing there. I have messages on my phone. Then I text him that night. He said, oh, I'm sorry, I couldn't get back to you. I was busy. He said, look, I'll get you somewhere by Tuesday. If the, if the car comes out, so don't put you somewhere, get back onto me and I'll pay for you. Okay. And I hold nothing back. And okay. he's a TD, I hold nothing back from him. Okay, do you mind if we get his name off the air and maybe make a call and see if we can see yeah. where he's at with that? Yeah, if, if he can, okay, area. and and let's see what happens. Listen, hang in there. We'll be back to you and see if there's an update on it. But um, I know you're worried, understandably so, but... One of the great things about this is you're not using anymore. You're clean and you need to stay clean and things can only improve. I, I'm not being bad and thank for the job. The job is keeping me going, you know, it's keeping my mind I know. occupied. I know. Well, you never That's know. That's what I'm saying. I can't yeah. go around the same If I go around the same means, I'm not going to be sleeping. You're going to bump into people. You're going to have people asking you this and that and, and I'm not being bad. It's, it's, like, it's like a child. It's like, you know, one sweet, a habit and be back down the same road like I was reading today actually that people who are clean and trying to stay clean are constantly being tempted by dealers they uh, give yeah. them free drugs they even throw put it in their letterbox or they drop little packs like, of it down in like front of me them now, I'm not being bad like me there and getting phone calls off different people the last two three weeks oh do you want more I said no oh you're a good peer I said no I don't want it I said I don't want no more 
And if you stopped paying your debt now and did a runner, it wouldn't make any difference because they've got all your bank details, don't you? You'd have to close all... What about closing all the but, bank accounts? That only make things worse for me. You, you, like, enough, uh, you can keep running, which are, you are going to get caught. There's going to be somebody out there who like, they'll put a bounty on your head just for someone to find you. God almighty, man. It's awful, isn't Sorry, it? There's no escaping. Like, they'll put a bounty on your head. Okay. Okay. Let's see if we can listen. It's it's worth making some calls on your behalf. I mean, I've come to a dead end myself because I've, I've asked you all of the different options that you could investigate. But let's let's see who the TD is off the air and make a call and see if that makes a difference. All right. Yeah. Thank you very much. Appreciate listen. Uh, hang in there, Tommy. All right. Hang in there. I'll be back to you. Okay. Thanks. Cheers, pal. Okay. Lovely guy, and he's in misfortune, but he sounds like a lovely, lovely man. Young man, he's only 23 years old. And I know we all have our crosses to bear and people have our own issues in their own lives, but, you know, he took a wrong turn. It's just, uh, I suppose it, it, it gives you an idea as to how easily somebody can take a wrong turn. For him, it was cocaine. One of the big problems now is, is crack cocaine, which is even worse again. You know, smoke it with a pipe and what have you. Not to mention all of the other temptations that are out there. But at the age of 23, it also shows that so family is just so important. And uh, obviously, he doesn't have that... Yeah, that ability to, to turn to family, and I won't dwell on that too much, as the fellow says, but a lot of the time it's very, it's great if you have family who can help you, and you know, if you get clean and want to stay clean, that they can wrap their big family arms around you and mind you, and you can stay with them. But when you can't even do that, uh, but we certainly have a crisis in that regard, and it leads in actually, and I will come back to that when we have an update on it. I, I don't, I don't know whether it's a TD or a local councillor. I think it may well be a local councillor. So we'll get, uh, we'll get working on that on his behalf. And we've also been in touch with, uh, with City Hall. Um, but uh, we're awaiting a response there. But I know what they will say. Firstly, they can talk about individual cases. And ultimately, they have very, very long lists of people who are also waiting for housing and for accommodation. And with that, with that in mind, Noel, good morning. Morning, mate. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Now, you have a very interesting background to a particular story down in Blackrock, which you've researched, have you? I have, I have done it, I have done my research on it. Okay. And it started about two years ago, Bridgewater started construction of 135 units in Desborough Road. And when we say units, what do you mean by 130 Housing and apartments. Okay, thank you, go ahead. And duplex, right? right? So, uh, the thing is, at the moment, what it consists of is three-storey semi-detached houses, 16 two-storey semi-detached houses, 64 three-storey duplex, and a three-storey and four-storey apartment blocks consisting of 47 apartments. Oh, that's a lot of properties then, 130. That's a lot of properties, right? So I, was, I can't remember, was it before Christmas or after Christmas, I rang Bridgewater to find out when the for sale signs were going up for these units. And they told me that there'd be no for sale sign going up that the City Hall had taken over the lease of the whole site for 25 years. So that means that young people in the city can't buy these houses. Mm-hmm. So the City Council now have not become landlords, they've become tenants to cuckoo funds or whatever you want to call them, that they have to pay a certain amount of money every year. Mm-hmm. So what I, would lo- what I would like the City Council to do is over uh, to offer the, these these units to people who are paying exorbitant rents to private landlords, fifteen sixteen hundred a month, to offer these houses to these people as a six-year contract, as probably four hundred or five hundred a month 
sprint. And every six years, you'd have different people having a chance to save for a deposit. And you know, when you talk about rent of four or five hundred a month for a six year contract, would they be people on the city hall housing list? Not, not specifically. Like we have private landlords who are who are charging exorbitant to young couples. Yes, yes, yes. All these people should be considered. Okay. Now, can I just say, can I, oh, no, I mean, listen, all credit to you. You know, you've come up with this idea. You've done the research. How, how do you know that the 130 units, which are houses, apartments and duplexes, how do you know they weren't all built for City Hall on city land? Because, but you see, the thing is, it, it's, a pro, it's a private development. That's what it was. It was a private development that the City Hall were going to get 20% of the house. And do you know that originally that they were going to be sold on the open market and that 20% that was, that would go to a social housing? That was the idea. And you're sure of that? Well, I, I'm not 100% sure. No, I, I just, because I've, I've asked City Hall and I'm waiting a response and I'm, I need an explanation from them. Well, I, 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 I asked a councillor, I said, he told me, he said, the City Hall have taken over the whole lease. That's, they're going to be, it's all going to be social housing. I said, and what about the apartments? He said, they are going to be used for downsizing. I said, that's very interesting, I said, because if you're going to ask elderly people to go up to three and four stories with no lifts in these apartments, Forget how about they going to do it? Forget about he it. Didn't re- he didn't realise that there was no lifts in these houses. And when you say City Hall have taken over the lease, do you mean they haven't actually bought them? They're just no, they leasing don't own them, them from the tenants. Okay. They've become tenants. But there was originally a point in the planning that these would be sold on the open market. Yes. And then you believe City Hall rode into town and just hoovered them all up. Exactly. That's okay. my reading interest. Okay. And that. And I can't, I can't get a proper answer on that. But like, these are. There's housing now at the moment. There's three stories, semi-detached houses, ready for occupancy at the moment. But I want, I want to see would the city council start a development in Cork and start it so that every other county in the Ireland could follow the same by designating one specific site to helping young people to get on the property. Well, it's not going to be that one anyway, because it sounds as if the horse is bolted on that one. But well, it's quite possible they can still be stopped. Like they can still actually do it. But you accept that people on the housing list are fairly desperate for a house as well. Neil, there is you. You said you you said on the news today about the amount of houses that are available, but are not ready. They're not open to people because they're boarded up. They are for over twenty months. A lot of them over twenty months. But we need the government needs to change their attitude. So do the city councils. And this insurance that you have to have the house back in the same position, same way as it was before it was. uh, Taken out. They've taken. They've taken out kitchen units. They've taken out bedrooms. Yeah. yeah but yeah. How, that's not on. If you buy a new house, if you buy a second-hand house, made, you're getting it as it is. There's no one telling you. That and a lot of the time, they're fine. You know, that's what I'm being told. There's nothing There's wrong with them. Absolutely nothing wrong with them. All you want is an engineer's report to to buy that house. And the city council needs to do exactly the same thing, and forget about this thing that they have to have the house back in the old the way it was. Okay, so you be- yeah, well, if people make improvements to it, don't rip the improvements out, for God's sake. That's but stupid. that's what they're doing. That's stupid. what they're actually doing. And that's why the holes are taking so long to hand them over to ordinary people. Okay, well, 
imagine one of the points that you're making, you've made it very well, is that people who are trying to buy or indeed rent their own properties, they're also going up against City Hall who are doing like, like, likewise, much more powerful, and they're outbuying them and outbidding them. And they've done this before, Neil. Okay, okay. They've done this on Skehar Road before. With houses. Let's see what they say, because they will they will respond at some stage, ASAP if possible, because you believe that originally they would have gone on the open market, people could have bought them, is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and 20% of them would have been set aside. Yeah, what, okay. tenant, what tenant is going to go into a three-story semi-detached house? You know? Why not? But like, who's, what, what kind of money are they going to pay for it? Like, I mean, like, the, the tenants... The way it works is that you it's it, it's based on your. It would have, yeah, I know it would have been perfect for young couples, wouldn't it? It would have been perfect. It's ideal. It's ideal. ideal. But if you All if right. you offer these three houses, they can still be a change around every six years now. So you're giving every every young people in the in the city a chance. Okay, one one, on one thing: market. if people have examples of this happening elsewhere, do get in touch. I'll come back to you when I get a response from them. We can chat some more about it. Okay. That's no problem. Thanks, Noel. Thanks for doing the work. Thank Appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. Take care. Thank Text 0868104106. Back after the break. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. Couple of shout-outs for local businesses. I'm going around this morning and one minute I'm smelling of apple spice and cinnamon and then it's vanilla and then it's uh, uh, cashmere kiss, which is kind of an interesting bouquet. But I love the um, the gorgeous apple spice and cinnamon because it, sm- it just smells like Christmas time, you know, the sugar and spice of Christmas. I was sent these wonderful sachets by Burke by Design from Clonakilty. They'll go down a bomb in my car and around the house, so thank you for them. She said, you were discussing cars, pristine or not. No judgments here. We sell these sachets and people put them in the lids of their bins, in their wardrobes, in their cars, in with Christmas decorations so when they come back out, they, when they come back from to home or whatever, the house smells absolutely lovely. They're gorgeous little sachets. You can Google them yourself. It's a cork business called Burke by Design in Clonakilty, full of gorgeous scents, really Christmassy, lovely, better than aftershave, incidentally, I can tell you that. Now, just I want to get some calls on the air before I love you and leave you for the day that's in it. We have lovely prizes for Cork's best husband or partner. So I have three calls. I'll come to them in a second. Well, I'll get two anyway. But let me just set the scene here with a lovely one from Faye Mercedes McNamara. What a great name. Um, She's talking about her boyfriend, right, and the things he's done and why he's the best ever. He makes me coffee every morning. After a night shift, he always has a hot water bottle ready in bed for me to go to sleep. He makes sure we spend time together each week when we are working different shifts, whether it's a short walk or a movie or a date night. It's always a priority for him. I don't do any washing. He does it, which is a huge bonus. He's usually supportive and super proud of everything, whether it's big or small. For my theory test, he got me a good luck card beforehand and wrote the sweetest message in it. I don't know whether you passed or not. He does shift work and is in college part-time, so he has 12-hour days. Comes home, goes straight to college. And still makes time for date night. He surprises me every day. Incredibly hardworking, very determined. This, Neil, is just the tip of the iceberg. If some genuinely wrote everything down, it would be as big as the Bible. I can't think of enough for everything he's done. Together three years, from meeting him at a friend's house party to us living together and now saving for a mortgage. I'm so grateful of the first day we met. Through hard times, my parents separating and other personal matters, he just came along with it and went all the way. For his amazing Christmas and birthday presents to his coffee every morning, he's ultimately the best. And that's from Faye Mercedes. 
Ah, yes, we certainly have. The beam is very high on this one, lads. Of that you can be sure. Gloria, good morning. Good morning. I don't even know where I'm going to start with all of the emails, so let me come up for air. Tell me about Tom. Um, Tom, I met at 16, 17 at a YouTube concert in Cork uh, 34 years where ago. Where was that? Was that down Parky Cueve or where was it? Yeah, yeah, okay. that's right. where it was. I came up from Killarney, come to Kerry, so that was another, can you marry the Kerry woman as well? All right, well, there's nothing wrong with that. Anyway, go ahead, yeah, all right. Um, we got married and a couple of kids, and he's just been amazing. Um, I had had um, a lot of problems with my hips and stuff, really learning to walk a few times, and he's always been very supportive, and then when I wanted to do fostering, he was like, oh, okay, I'll support you, and then he just absolutely took over and just fell in love with the kids, and he was like more of, how would you say, to go to dad if they needed something or advice. Or did, you fo- did you do much fostering? Are you fostering now? Is there much of it? No, no, I'm on a board. We took a break now. We did it for 13 years and loved it, absolutely loved it. We so had three children you, as well. Yeah, you so had your own three children and you had foster children staying with you for periods of time? Yeah, once they treat six of them in five years, we'd no kids and all of a sudden there was six kids and we're like, whoa, we didn't plan that. So did you add, <laughs> them, all, did you add them all up over the years? A couple of dozen, I'd say, right? Yeah. Uh, we 21 we added up 21 kids over the years was anyway. it very rewarding yes emotionally I just you, you just fall in love with them um, of course there's I mean I'm not saying that it's um, an easy road either but they all you just it's just so amazing to see when they come in and what they achieve and they've done it all themselves and what they've had to go through beforehand and that they, they just kind of come out the other end of it and do they stay, I know, I know I've know. i slightly gone off topic, my apologies for that, but do many of them stay in touch with you then afterwards? Um, yeah, not all of them, because of course you must remember when they come in, it's a negative part of their life, mm-hmm. and some of them don't okay. want to remind of that. But out of, out of, I would have at least 12 contacts out of my, obviously Good. to protect their names, um, the children, my children, I would have maybe 12 of them. And some of them, God help us, have passed away, some don't want contact others are in and out and it is difficult and I, I so understand it but like last year then we had an amazing lady turned up I won't give her name obviously because of privacy but uh, she and Tom wrote her Christmas and just checked she was okay and if she ever needs anything and now she's doing amazing and she's delighted for her and you helped yeah. her on that journey you believe Tom signed up for an awful lot more that he that he'd expected yeah. so is it yeah. yeah yeah exactly yeah he just kind of um, he's like the local taxi driver with all this gang here we still have three of them at home and you know helping them with their jobs and colleges we're now at that stage where you know they're learning to drive and yeah yeah. I mean, it's amazing because at all of the different ages that of your children achieve, that comes with different responsibilities as a pa- as a parent, of course. Different chapters yeah. in their life require different, you know, different aspects regarding help. Yeah, and they're all like you've seen each one of them. They're all individual, but they're all just. He's been amazing to every one of them. Like, and nothing is too too difficult or out of the way or like he's if that I need say, I don't know, a copy book for the morning and there's no copy book, he'll get up a little bit earlier to go and get that copy book. Well done. What's this, and what's the story about relearning to walk? Yeah, I had to relearn to walk a few times. I was born with congenital hip syndrome, which is difficulty with my my bones and my spine. And um, I, I don't, I, you just, it keeps wearing down. I have had to have a lot of reconstructions and wow. rehabilitation. And the last one now took me 
well, I don't know, maybe six to nine months. But poor Tom worked and he looked after the kids and he come into the hospital and he cooked dinners and then he'd go back to work. And I was like, oh my God, this is too much for one person. But he handled it and he did so well. He like never, does he ever complain, it. no? No, no. You know, he might get, he gets very tired, I understandably. But And he kind of said, like, well, I feel that sometimes he hasn't a minute himself, but we're always trying to say, you know, go for a, a few drinks of JDs and top the hill. Or, yeah. You know, go have a game of golf with your dad or go out with your buddies where you can because I think that's so important <laughs> yeah, that men yeah. should look after themselves and they should be able to go out and enjoy themselves because I think that's the key to happiness is if you can have your own friends our friends and then you know meet up together as well as I am too. so delighted that people are bigging up men because um, they deserve it you know um, oh my god we, you know, we, hear, we hear of the negatives unfortunately in the world that we live in don't get me wrong there but there's some great men out there. There's many oh, great I men out there. Amazing. I have two young sons myself and I just think, you know what, if you're half as good as your dad, you go into it. Well done. You're going to be fine, John Gentleman. So I just felt, you know, he's so quiet and he would probably die of me being on the radio. But well, Tom Doherty, Tom O'Doherty, I should say, take a bow. Yeah. And thanks for sharing that lovely story, Gloria. And well done to you for your life achieving, uh, life achievements regarding... Uh, 21 young children who needed help and you were there to give it. Well done. Fair play to you. Okay, okay thank you. Bye. Take care, Gloria. Magda, good morning. Hi, Neil. How am I doing on time? I'm grand. Okay, so tell me your own situation. We're talking about relationships and, you know, trying to big up the more positive. Um, and uh, you, you wanted to get in touch with regards to Morris, wasn't it? Yes, yes, Morris, my husband. <laughs> 12 years now, almost. Mm-hmm. Now, tell us about him. Yeah, we met... Um, in my 13 years ago when I came he came to Cork first time um, for a week to get some interviews and he was actually my taxi driver taking me from airport business park <laughs> to the hotel <laughs> he <laughs> was he a fast mover wasn't he <laughs> uh, Neil you had no idea <laughs> he texted me the same evening uh, would I go for dinner with him and um, you know this gut feeling I was like yeah I'm gonna go um so I did, and uh, I went back to Poland then for, for a month. Um, but after a month, I got a job, and I came back. We stayed in touch. And after I came back to, to Cork, after three months, we were engaged. And now we're married, yeah, 12 years in January. Fantastic. <laughs> well, does he, he sees yeah. the moment, and you knew that it was the right thing to do. And the rest yeah. is history. But there have been difficult times. I mean, 10 miscarriages yeah. in 10 years, that's, a, that's yeah. a lot of pain and hurt, isn't it? Yeah, it's been it's been a challenge, and and it's been, it's been yeah, it's, it's, there's been some tough moments um, for the last ten years. And, and is having a child very important to you both? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We would like like you know, obviously that feeling kind of changes in you know, over ten years. It was it was important, like you know, ten years ago we were all excited, and then yeah, one, two, three miscarriages. We're like, okay, um, after ten, you know, we we do still want it. It's a different kind of a feeling, you know, that this time after 10 years, it's like, yeah, we're not giving up. Um, but we kind of approach it with, with a dose of, of like, a, you know, like a distance, like a little bit less excitement, if you know what I mean. I know, I know. Well, you know, you don't, don't, don't give up in that regard, you know, no, don't become, no, no, don't, you know, don't, not. you don't want to end up thinking that this is always going to be the way, you know. No, no. And no, what does Morris, what does, when, when you chat about it, what would Morris say about it? About miscarriages, yeah, um, you know, about you know. I mean, clearly, he would love to have children just like you, but of course, you know. of course, he's like I kind of pointed out in email. It was me worrying about it an awful lot, an, an awful lot of times. Whereas 
um, like like I wanted to pinpoint that Morris was absolutely amazing through the whole thing, and he's the only reason I I actually was able to go through all of that. You know, he was next to me or every step of the way, and and all he said is that the most important thing is that we have each other, and that all that matters is that we have each other, and whatever happens happens, you know, and like we're one, we're together, we support each other, and. And I'd say he, he was amazing in the way that that he would support me and, and just come up with the smallest little things, you know, to, to cheer me up after each. After each miscarriage, I know, yeah, you're full of yeah. excitement, hoping this time definitely, and then of course... Exactly, and exactly. Do, have you tried the IVF route or any options like that? We've been through uh, fertility treatments, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. But there's still, like I said, there's still a plan um, there, so so hopefully that'll work. Um, but yeah, we, we've been a few things already. Um, but, 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 yeah. but the relationship stayed strong, of course, and the love remained. It stayed strong, yeah, exactly. And, and it actually got stronger over the years, you know. And as I may say, what, what's so amazing about him is that despite his own difficulties, you know, with, within his own family, with, with his dad kind All of right. losing battle yeah, to cancer. Uh, and, yeah, sad. And, and a lot of difficulties, you know, and, and uh, there was more deaths in, in his family. I know, and, I, I, I really do admire people who can remain so yeah. positive and upbeat in spite of all yeah. of the challenges, you know, because it's, cause it's exactly. easy to buckle under them and clearly he doesn't, nor do you. It's a lovely exactly. story, Magda. I'd love if you stayed in touch and let us know how things go in yep. the future, you know? Will do, definitely. Yeah, yeah. just right. wanted to kind of, yeah, say that that's why I, I, I sent an email just to um, look after him, maybe, maybe put it out there that what kind of a person he is, you know, well, that he looks know. after other people more than himself and supporting other people. Well said. Okay, Magda, mind yourself. Regards right. to you, regards to you Thank both. You. Take care. Thank Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Good luck to you and tomorrow. So remember, I told you about this a couple of times this morning. Diamonds are forever. They are all I need to please me. One eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. Oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Red FM. Terry Fitzgerald says that Brian Fitzgerald is amazing. Or is Karen St. Raphael's in Yall. Uh, he loves his job. We have two dogs. Hail, rain or shine. He'll make sure they get at least two walks a day. I'm not quite sure what Terry does in the mix in this, but one of during his lunch break and the other after work. He takes the neighbor's dog with him as well. Make sure he gets walked too. Does all of the housework even after a long day's work. Makes me cups of tea every night. Listens to me harp on about my whinges and problems and never gives the impression that he's not interested, although he must be bored stupid. He must have he must have the ability to put on a very interested face, in fairness to him. He puts up with my mood swings and they can be bad. He always thanks me for his food, even when I make his dinner and it's a frozen pizza. There's no making in a frozen pizza, Terry, so there's not. He tells me I look beautiful to him, even when it's clear that I'm looking awful. I'm sure not. You don't need makeup to look beautiful, you know. He's an amazing father to our children and always makes us laugh every day. He's on hand to help anyone who needs it. They, these may not be qualities that you're looking for, but in our eyes, he's the best husband and dad, not only in Cork, but the whole world. His name is Brian Fitzgerald. We all love your show. And that's from Terry. Well said. Great opportunity for you to be able to say wonderful things about your husband. And well done to you for doing so. I wish I had more time. We'll come back to that in the morning. And I'll tell you some more about that and prizes as well. But Rob is in Crookstown. Rob, good morning. Good morning. How are you getting on? Good, my man. Nice to have you on board. And Marie Mullins is down in Killeen's. Good morning, Marie. 
Hi, Neil. How are you? I'm good, girl. I'm told if you won, you'd buy a chain for yourself. Not a chainsaw, no, a chain, is it? No, a chain. (laughs) All right. A 250 euro voucher, courtesy of ourselves and Michelle, the jeweller, celebrating 60 years of business in Cork. Support them this Christmas time. And on Friday, a 1,000 euro voucher. So, lads, now, Rob and Marie, I have the entire set of um, diamonds, right? There's 13 cards here. Ace is high, so Ace is the top card. Whoever gets the highest card of the two two of you wins the 250 euro voucher. So you're first up, Rob. Just pick a number between 1 and 13. I'll give you the corresponding card. Go for it. Number 3, please. Number 1, number 2, number 3 is the Queen of Diamonds. The Queen of Diamonds. That's a high card. All right, don't get me wrong. It is. So for you to win, Marie, you got to beat the Queen of Diamonds, which would be either the King or, indeed, the Ace. So pick a number between 1 and 12 now. Uh, number 5. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Is the 5 of Diamonds? Sorry, Marie. Sorry. Sorry. Unfortunately, the Queen beats the 5. Try again later in the week, all right? All right, thank you. Cheers, girl. Take care. Where was the? Where was the? Um, the oh, the aces, the the queen, the ace of diamonds was the second card. Just for the record, anywhere Rob, I hear tell you're just going to give up the two hundred and fifty euro to the wife. Is it? I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, she put up a lot. To be fair, all all, all year we like so she has to get something nice for Christmas. Oh no! You you still need to buy her a Christmas gift, my friend. This is just oh, a, this is, like this is not your yeah, Christmas sorted. Don't get you know. Don't get confused here. You got to buy something as well. Oh, I will. It'll be an add-on to it, like you an know, for, add-on. Yeah, an extra. Yeah. Okay, an extra. Yeah. Or between you and me, we could we could just pretend this didn't happen and tell nobody, and you could just give her the voucher at Christmas time. I'll keep it secret. No, she's listening to the radio. Ah, okay. <laughs> All right. Congratulations. Two hundred and fifty euro voucher. What's your wife's name? Uh, Maria. Congratulations, Maria. Spend it well and spend it on yourself. Take care, Rob. All Thank right. Thank you very much. Thank you. Cheers, my man. Well done. We'll do it again tomorrow and on Thursday. And then on Friday, it's worth €1,000. Courtesy to ourselves and uh, Michelle, the jeweler, 60 years in business. And also family run and there for you at Christmas time. And good morning to uh, Tim and everybody at Michelle, the jewelers on Patrick Street. Speaking of, of weddings and relationships and what have you, can I please wish Bobby and Peggy Field a happy anniversary? They are celebrating 53 happy years of marriage today and they listen religiously every morning so that's great to hear as well and uh, the family was saying it would be a great boost if you could give them a shout out so happy 53rd wedding anniversary to Bobby and Peggy Field today uh, all our thoughts and love are with you lines will stay open at one 106 you can text 0868 and we'll pick it up in the morning have a good day I'll see you tomorrow Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.